0: Thank you very much, honourable delegates. Before we proceed, I would like to remind
1: you of the following. The virtual setting constitutes a setting of the National Council of Provinces. The place of the setting is deemed to be Cape Town, where the seat of the National Council of Provinces is. Delegates in the virtual setting enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in the setting of the National Council of Provinces. And for the purpose of the quorum, all delegates who are locked onto the virtual platform shall be considered present. Delegates must switch on their views if they want to speak and they should ensure that the microphones and the gadgets are muted and must always remain muted unless they are speaking. The interpretation facility is active. Members of the executive, permanent delegates and others are requested to ensure that the interpretation facility on their gadgets are properly activated to facilitate access to the interpretation services. Any delegate who wishes to speak must use the raise hand function And any delegate who wishes to raise a point of order should, in terms of in accordance with Rule 69.3, indicate in terms of which rules he or she is rising. I have also been informed that there will be no notices of motion or motions without notice. Before we proceed to the first order, let me take this opportunity to welcome the ministers and Deputy Ministers of Home Affairs, Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities, MCs and all special and permanent delegates to the House. Honorable delegates, and I just want to uh, especially welcome the Ministry of Women uh, with which we are working very closely in terms of the programs that we are running but also a special welcome to Honourable Mutsualedi and his deputy also. We will now proceed to the first order. There is the policy debate on Budget vote 5, Home Affairs, Appropriation Bill B-7 of National Assembly, is Section 77 Bill. I will now call upon the Honourable Dr. P. A. Mutsualedi, Minister of Home Affairs, to open the debate.
0: Honourable Mutsualedi, You are welcome. Thank you, Chairperson.
2: Unfortunately, the technical team in the National Council of Provinces were still helping to try to and get the parliamentary background. I don't know. honorable chair. Can I continue, nevertheless?
1: Yes, we will make sure that next time you definitely have that background, <laughs> but you may continue. My no, My I don't think it is. Yes. Yeah, it's fine. It's 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 really fine. We want the content of your debate. We will see to it that you okay. get the
2: background later. Honorable House Chairperson. My colleague, Deputy Minister of Home Affairs, Honourable Jabulile Mtsuza, Honourable Chairperson of the Select Committee on Security and Justice, Ms. Shahida Shaikh, Honourable Members of the Select Committee on Security and Justice, and Honourable Members of the Regional Council of Provinces, the Director General of the Department of Home Affairs, Mr. Thobimakwadi, the Commission of the Commission of Border Management Authority, Dr. Mike Macias-Pato and his team. The commissioners of the Independent Electoral Commission, led by Commissioner Janet Love and the CEO, Mr. Simon Mabolo. The CEO of Government Printing Works, Ms. Alina Fossi, and a team members of the media. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I have the honor of updating this House on the progress we are making in delivering the key priorities of the Department of Home Affairs in saving citizens. It is not rocket science to guess that after I take the wrong cues in home affairs. It is to be expected because it is clearing and greatly affects all the citizens. It gives me sleepless nights, but also pulls me and the department into action. But to take action, one needs to know, understand, and analyze the causes. While the causes are many and varied, I wish to specifically pick up two important ones. If these two are not resolved, then even if the others are severally resolved, it will still make no end. These two most important ones are systems system downtown and shortage of home bodies in front offices. Home bodies who must service the public in an efficient and timely manner because no human being enjoys standing in a queue for a long time. As you know, the department consists of two main arms, the civic services and the immigration. I will start with civic services because this is by far the biggest arm of the department. As I've already mentioned, system downtown simply means the number of times and the duration during which our IT system is down and unavailable for for processing of documents. In my previous speech, i referred to it as the original scene. Some members of the public simply understand it as home affairs computers that fail to function and the department that is unwilling to fix them i want to mention that system downtime is a failure of the whole system network rather than just computers that needs to be fixed these systems are mainly CETA, state information technology agency uh, uh, C- uh, networks which provide i.t services for state departments and of course Home Affairs also has its own system which interacts with the CETA systems to provide the wholeness of the IT services. Last year, both CETA and the Department of Home Affairs were summoned to appear in front of the Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs in Parliament in the National Assembly to outline clear plans to deal with this perennial problem once and for all. Let me outline here the plan and the progress made up to so far. I'll start with revamping of the old network. CETA has informed us that they are spending 400 million rand to revamp its entire network, having just completed the procurement process in this regard. This revamp will be completed in the third quarter of this financial year. This revamp will help to stabilize the network. The second thing is implementing what is called software network, a uh, uh, defined network or SDN. This work has been conducted by CETA and will assist in increasing our uh, bandwidth due to the number of applications we use at Civics. This will increase our connectivity, internet capacity. Honorable Chair, I'm not aware of any other government department that consumes as much internet services as Home Affairs does. Virtually, internet services are a non of the existence of the Department of Home Affairs. CETA has now doubled its internet capacity and introduced three failovers located in three cities in, in Tran, in Cape Town, and in This will ensure that if any of the network is down, there will be two more to support the services. Members of the portfolio committee in the National Assembly have always asked a question about something called redundancy, meaning a backup connection or network. Hence, these failovers in the three cities will assist in the redundancy. Uh, Development plan for cybersecurity. CETA has finalized its procurement plan to address cybersecurity for IT infrastructure. This will be implemented during this financial year once the law enforcement agencies have given uh, approval. All in all, all, CETA has committed to spend 1 billion rands. On IT infrastructure to support the Department of Home Affairs and others, but we all know the Department of Home Affairs will be the major beneficiary. The rollout of switches and routers. The department itself has installed 136 routers and 150 switches in 136 offices, and we still need to install 112 routers and 36 offices, which we have already bought. Now the issue of bringing of engineers from the banks. Honorable Chairperson, two weeks ago, I told the National Assembly that we've reached an agreement with a leading bank to bring eight IT engineers to assist to stabilize our network and help install some key IT infrastructure. Today, I can announce that as I'm speaking to you now, these eight IT specialists are in a meeting with the Department of Home Affairs, the State Information Technology Agency, and SARS, in a marathon meeting that started at 8.30 this morning and will end at 16 hours 30 this afternoon. This meeting will identify key interventions on IT infrastructure and networking capability to improve frontline system availability and delivery. You may remember that I announced as far back as 2019 that we had arranged with the banks to offer some home affairs services like ID and passport in their branches. But to do so, uh, the banks need the Home Affairs and Sister systems to get into the national population register. Now the banks were very enthusiastic about this plan, but later on we noticed that the out- uptake is low, and we then discovered that the banks are wary of our system downtown because this will cause reputational damage to them, and hence we spoke to them and said, "Look, come and to stabilize our system." because then it will allow you to open your branches for home affairs services, and that's how we end up with these eight IT experts from the bank. The South Africa Connect, this was a project, the Honourable Minister of Communication te- te- Technologies and New Technologies to connect schools, clinics, police stations, and home affairs offices, but we believe home affairs office will be the major beneficiary. The issue of installing generators, apart from downtime due to cedar and home affairs not wheelchair person, we also troubled by load sheath, uh, Load shedding. We have installed generators in our 197 modernized offices, but our remaining 215 non-modernized offices, especially in rural areas, are not operational during every load shedding episode, and further increasing the long queues. Then there is the national sketch, which home affairs is particularly vulnerable to, cable theft. On the 26th of April this year, th- there was a headline in Daily Dispatch, a newspaper publication in the Eastern Cape, which simply read, cable theft shops, cable theft home affairs. While technicians from CETA were able to resolve this, it took two days to install new cables, leaving the entire province of the Eastern Cape unable to access services. Again, and needless to say, Members of the public simply believe, ah, they're good for my computers again. And they express their anger through abusive phone calls and emails and WhatsApp messages. Chairperson, When we encounter this, we deploy mobile apps to some of these areas affected by the cable. But the level of anger is always high. NAP joints is trying their best to deal with this matter but it's a killer punch to home affairs to, to have uh, cable, uh, I mean, cables uh, stolen. Now, let me come to the issue of people's built home affairs offices. Honorable members, we have long declared the need to have people's built home affairs offices in the same way as police police uh, stations, clinics, and schools are saving the public and they are not hired from anybody. Unfortunately, home affairs offices are, are hired from somebody who has built them for another people's and so they are not people's built but we have started we are spending this year 181 million in constructing people's built offices last year we completed construction and, and now are op- operating such a modern people's built office in in the eastern Cape. construction is progressing very well in toyando and in, in, in Dawu in northwest and work has recently started in stenga in KwaZulu-Natal. We also intend to build similar modernized offices in Khamisa and Hadi in KwaZulu-Natal, Renfontein in Gauteng and Mala in Pomalanga in the 2023-24 financial year. In addition, we have registered 15 offices with the Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating Council to be built through the public-private partnership or a PPP for a high volume office. In Gauteng, there are two offices Namely, the Byron Place in Tuan and Harrison Street in Johannesburg. In the Eastern Cape, we have identified Buffalo City in Kabeja and Tata. In kwazulu natal it's Pinetown and Gungudov in Pumalanga, Emalaki and Ngombella and in Limpopo is in Polohuan. Home Affairs offices in malls. Honorable members, two weeks ago, I announced that we are opening Home Affairs offices in some malls in Pretoria. Johannesburg, Deben and Cape Town. This move will enable us to offer services in improved conditions in that malls have ample parking space, can offer shelter away from the sun and the rain. We have signed a memorandum of understanding already with the owners of the malls to enable us to move. And we are going to start in Mainland Mall. As as in September this year, we'll then roll over to the other malls and the other cities. Since the announcements, a number of companies that own malls have conducted us. They are very much interested in this, and we are finalizing the areas where we'll choose these malls together with the CSIR, the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, which helped us to identify what you call an access model, meaning where to place offices in terms of population density and service delivery imperatives. Other malls that we are expanding to will be Cresta Mall in Johannesburg, and Southgate, gate from Johannesburg, Tiger Valley in Cape Town. The appointment booking system. Honorable Chair, the biggest statement we are making today in embracing ways of waiting war on queues is the rollout of the online booking system called the BAPS or branch appointment booking system. This system is used to book appointments only for smart ID cards and passports. It was piloted in 29 of our BCS, urban and rural offices. The Lusukishiku office in the Eastern Cape is also part of this pilot. The results of this pilot have given us confidence that we can roll it out to, to decrease long queues. The pilot started in December 2021. And since we started, a total of 44,307 people have used the system between December 2021 and the 31st of May. Uh, that, that is last month. Our target is to roll out booking system to all our 43 large offices by the end of June, and we are on track to do so. I think the Deputy Minister is going to expatiate more on this problem. Staffing the department, Chairperson, some five years ago, Treasury ordered that no new post must be filled, even if they've been funded before. This led to havoc in Home Affairs, where the staffing in our frontline offices Trammeted to a low of 39% in terms of capacity. But this year, Treasury has given us 266 million rand just to make a start in dealing with this unsavory state of affairs. This money will enable us to hire 764 extra employees. Unfortunately, it will only take us to 42% capacity from the present 39. We also deploy mobile offices in the form of trucks. Uh, uh, they visit our communities and especially schools because we don't want to see learners queuing home affairs. This is one of the most effective ways of taking service to our people. Home affairs have got 100 tax. We have just bought 10 more for 15 million. In this financial year, we are going to buy 15 more for 20 uh, uh, million rand. These tracks will also increase a footprint, and we, increase the, we aim to increase them by 100%. Uh, 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 in the following financial years. These tracks, Honorable Chair, are the ones that help us to speedily uh, provide replacement IDs and best to people who lost their documents because of the f- recent floods in KwaZulu-Natal. Gua- Gua- the issue of digitization. Uh, Chairperson, you may remember that in the state of the nation, the president announced that Home Affairs is going to hire 10,000 unemployed graduates for a period of two to three years to digitize 300 million paper records. Our paper records stretch from 1895, and unfortunately they are all manual. They contribute to the long queues because people have to come to Home Affairs many times while information is being sought from the archives. On the issue of migration, checkperson, this is another area of concern. I don't have to outline what is going on about it. Everybody knows it's a crisis. However, if I were to start, analyzing what's happening in migration it will need its own budget pitch for the moment it will suffice to say we've decided on a complete overhaul of the immigration system of the country and complete overhaul means exactly that very soon i'll be unveiling it to you people just ought to be patient but in this regard also you are aware honorable members we have now uh, implemented the border management authority after uh, the NCOP uh, held. us to amend it and send it back to the National Assembly, for which we we need to thank members of the NCOP very heartily. Now we have hired the, the first cohort of border guards from Limpopo, Mpumalanga, and Northern KwaZulu in state. That means communities around the borders, and they are busy uh, uh, implementing chairperson. Uh, uh, The Border Management Authority will be a 3A public entity by 1st July 2023, following a process with the National Assembly, because presently it is still incubated as a branch in home affairs. We have also registered, uh, Honourable Chairperson and Honourable Members, a PPP project with the presidency for what is called the one-stop border post. What is it? It is a massive infrastructural improvement uh, of uh, uh, six... Busiest course of entry, being bridge with Zimbabwe, the with Mozambique, with Botswana, with Maseru with Lesotho, with Lesotho. This massive Continental feature, because at the moment it's just in wait. Honorable members, will call that the one-stop border post-police was approved by cabinet in March this year. On the issue of counter-corruption, honorable members, we remain unflinching in commitment to fight corruption. You are aware that we have been arresting people. And since, uh, and since we have been arresting people, especially the Pakistani campaign in our cricketer Stop office, members of the public have come out in large numbers to tip us where corruption is taking place. And we, are, we arrest, Chair person. We don't stop. This morning, I can confirm to you that we have just suspended four officials working at the Maponya Mall Home Affairs Office in Soweto, who have been found to be linked to the Pakistani kimpin on passport fraud, the kimpin who are arrested on the 24th of August in our Cougar Stop offices. In the coming weeks, we will continue to arrest more people, both foreign nationals and South Africans involved in passport fraud and other forms of identity fraud. The success of this unit has has given uh, members of the uh, public a lot of confidence. And this unit, Chair, is not just reactive. It studies our systems and identifies loopholes that encourage fraud and other acts of malfeasance and propose appropriate solutions. For this reason, we are going to augment the 13 members of this anti-corruption unit with 12 more, who among them will be analysts will be investigators and, and all sorts of uh, skilled people. Chairperson, uh, I wish to present a budget of 9.4 billion rand, uh, for the budget vote number five, Department of Home Affairs, for the consideration of this House. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. Uh, we are quite within our time. Thank you very much. We are now going to continue with the debate and we call in the chairperson and the Select Committee of Justice and Security, Honourable Sheikh, to continue with the debate. Honourable Sheikh, uh, it's over to you. Uh,
3: thank you very much, uh, Chaperson. Can I request that I turn off my video, uh, if if I'm allowed, Chairperson? Uh, we currently in the Eastern Cape um, doing oversight work with the Joint hoc Committee and I'm a bit uh, concerned about the bandwidth on this side, if you allow me.
1: You are allowed, Honourable Sheik, you may
3: continue. Uh, thank, you, thank you very much, uh, Honourable uh, Chaperson. Uh, greetings to yourself, uh, to the Minister of Home Affairs, Dr. mutsoledi the Deputy Minister, uh, and Nzuza, the, the Minister in, for Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities, uh, members of the Executive Council or MECs, delegates of the National Council of Provinces, compatriots, comrades and friends. Honorable Chair, as we debate this budget vote, Vote 5, Department of Home Affairs, we do we do so during the youth month. We remember the selflessness, courage and resilience of the youth of 1976. Central to their fight was the restoration of human dignity and justice. We pay tribute to the endless heroism of the youth. In the words of President Mandela, young people are capable when aroused of bringing down the towels of oppression and raising the banners of freedom. Indeed, Honourable Chair, the South Africa we have today is a far cry from what we had then. Honourable Chair, the Department's strategic outcomes are linked with a major focus of the National Development Plan, which is to confront the triple challenges of poverty, inequality and unemployment by enabling a higher economic growth rate. The Department plays a significant role in the inclusion of all citizens in democracy and development, is enabled by providing them with a status, and an identity that gives them access to rights and services. The department further facilitates the acquisition of the critical skills needed for economic growth. The department continues to to drive integrated and coordinated border management to ensure our borders are effectively protected, secured, and well-managed. The department plays a key role in enabling regional development by working with SADC countries through the Department of International Relations and Cooperation to establish efficient, secure, and managed migration. The Department of Home Affairs is central to harnessing the fourth industrial revolution and building a capable state. The modernization program of the department can reduce fraud and the cost of doing business by enabling e-government, which will attract more investment into the country. In order to contribute to job creation and, uh, and fighting the un- unemployment crisis facing the country, The president announced during his State of the Nation address that as part of the presidential employment stimulus package, the department will recruit 10,000 unemployed graduates to to digitize over 300 million documents dating back from 1895 over the next three years. This This is part of the department's strategy to curb corruption and fraud because it would be easier to trace the origin of documents such as birth certificates, identity cards, passports, and other civic documents. Honourable Chairperson, all South Africans are dependent on the Department of Home Affairs because of its sole mandate to secure and manage official identity and status. The Department of Home Affairs Services are divided into two broad categories, civic services and immigration services. The Department of Home Affairs' vision is that of a South Africa where identity, status, and citizenship are key enablers of citizen empowerment and inclusivity economic development and national security. The Department of Home Affairs mission is to being an efficient and secure custodian of citizenship and civil registration, securely and strategically managing the international migration, efficiently managing asylum seekers and refugees, and efficiently determining and safeguarding the official identity and status of persons. Honorable Chairperson, it is a fact that South Africa has a problem of porous borders. The historical fragmented border management approach has not assisted. The many problems associated with with porous borders are trafficking of women and children, the smuggling of drugs, stolen goods, counterfeit goods and contraband. Counterfeit and the illicit goods trade cause immeasurable harm to our already strained economy, and the local economy suffers the most. The consequence of porous borders in the undermining of the security of a nation and its economic development, furthermore, furthermore, no economy can flourish in an insecure environment. In 2013, Cabinet agreed on the establishment of the Border Management Authority, or the BMA. Guided by the National Development Plan 2030, the ANC 54th National Conference reaffirmed the thrust of the mandate as outlined in the NDP that South Africa's borders are effectively safeguarded, secured, and well-managed. Conference accepted... The security assessment, which identified four categories of threats facing South Africa, which are threats to the territorial integrity of the Republic, threats to the authority of the state, threats to the safety and well being of South Africans, and threats to the country's economic development. The ANC believes that in order to address the question of irregular migration and border management, the BMA be expedited and implemented. The ANC government took a decision to establish a border management authority to take responsibility for all functions related to the management of our borders in an integrated manner. The president signed into law the Border Management Authority Act of 2020, and the act became effective on the 1st of January 2021. This was a critical step towards the establishment of the BMA, which will enable the implementation of an integrated border management approach in South Africa. The BMA Will have jurisdiction for implementing border law enforcement mandates such as facilitation and management of the legitimate movement of persons and goods within the border law enforcement areas and at ports of entry we appreciate the appointments of the bma commissioner and deputy commissioner it has been reported that the bma is continuing with its recruitment process to fill critical vacant posts we are confident that the bma will be fully operationalized within the target period, and it will play a critical role in addressing our vulnerabilities and challenges of porous borders. We are aware that the BMA is still a branch incubated in the Department of Home Affairs, and they are hard at work to ensure that the BMA will be a standalone listed as a Schedule 3A public entity by July 2023. The BMA Act provides for nine ministers to be part of an interministerial committee selected by the President. The BMA Interministerial Consultative Committee and the BMA Border Technical Committee have been established. Jefferson, as aforementioned, the Department of Home Affairs serves all citizens and migrants who enter the country legally. The issue of long queues at the department is a huge challenge. Long queues and system downtime affects everyone. In response to long queues at the Home Affairs offices, the Minister indicated that there are short, medium and long-term solutions to this problem. Among some of the measures to address this, the department has rolled out 100 mobile trucks and procured an additional 10 mobile trucks to expand its its footprint. It approved 350 posts, which are allocated to civic services to capacitate front offices and introduce the rollout of the the branch application booking system to eliminate long queues in the front offices. An MOU has been finalized to conclude Pu- private-public partnerships with banks. Once stable connectivity is achieved, the department will focus on, online, on no. an online booking system as this seems to be working well. This will obviate the need for the people to buy space in queues and counter-corruption, which is difficult to deal with. We urge the department to continue working on addressing this issue of long queues and ensuring better service delivery. Honorable Chairperson. The war waged against the bodies of women and children is relentless and is at a heightened level. Last year, the president declared gender-based violence as a second pandemic. Gender-based violence goes against the ethos of the Bill of Rights. It is a serious human rights violation with major That's social it's and developmental impacts it's for it's survivors it's of violence, violence, as well as their families, communities, Honorable and society members, at large. please mute those that are not
1: in this, on the platforms. Uh, I'm sorry, Honorable Sheikh, but there is a kind of a disturbance. You may continue. So, so I'm sorry de- for that. Uh,
3: thank you. Uh, the department reported that there is a GBVF plan and indicated that the sexual harassment policy needed to be revisited. The department indicated that the policy has been improved and that the implementation plan includes awareness sessions, talking to both men and women within the department, and providing information on what needs to be done and mechanisms that are in place to ensure proper reporting to address matters quickly. The department is working with other stakeholders. The department offers support to officials in cases where GBVF has been reported and they are putting together communication material so that clients also know the steps they should take when, ex- when ex- experiencing such incidents. We urge the department to continue its awareness raising initiatives in respect of gender-based violence and femicide and ensure that officials receive the necessary information as well as support. Honorable Chairperson, the ANC is committed to fighting corruption. Minister Mottoledi established a ministerial committee headed by the former director-general in the presidency, Dr. Cassius Lubisi, to review all the permits issued since 2004. This is the year in which immigration came into effect. The committee will review various permits, including all the permanent resident permits, business and study visas, identity documents, passports, and birth certificates have high value, and the Department of Home Affairs is under constant attack by local and international criminal syndicates. Cybercrime is also on the rise. The Department has, over the years, committed to strengthening the work of the counter-corruption unit of uprooting fraud, bribery, and corruption inside and outside the system. We have, we have seen some results. In March this year, and as the Minister indicated, a Pakistani kingpin was nabbed in a midnight sting operation in the Department's Triggerstaff office. The Department reported that it vowed that it would follow up all the, all the members of the Passport for a Syndicate whether foreign nationals or South Africans. A senior Home Affairs official in the White River office in Pumalanga was arrested together with four South African citizens who are part of the passport fraud syndicates. The four citizens were transported from Eldorado Park in Gauteng to the Home Affairs office in White River to give up their identities for passport fraud for a measly 500 rand per person. This treasonous act of facilitating identity transfer directly attacks the values and ethos of our constitution. The successful operation was carried out by the Home Affairs Counter-Corruption Branch, working with other law enforcement agencies, including the South African Police Services, the Hawks, and Crime Intelligence. There are many other reports of the Department's efforts in cleaning cleaning the decay. We appreciate these efforts and encourage the Department to keep doing the good work it does without fear or favor. Regarding convictions, the Department works closely with the Hawks, it has been reported that there is a lot of work going on in terms of disciplinary action. However, some cases go to the, the Labour Court three times through the appeal system, which are lengthy and creates further delays. The minister has indicated that the counter-corruption unit intends filling to to strengthen the counter-corruption unit. We urge the department to maximize its efforts to address fraud and corruption and work closely with the relevant law enforcement agencies to ensure that arrests are made speedily. Through its collaborative work with law enforcement agencies and communities, the department should also continue to curb illegal migration. The department should work towards the digitization of all its manual documents and address the challenges it has in respect of IT capacity, which will further contribute towards towards efficient service delivery in all provinces. The department should find lasting solutions to the filling of vacancies and continue to collaborate with institutions of higher learning. And to use intends to propose, the Department should address this as a matter of urgency, particularly in respect of filling of vacancies for frontline staff. The Department should continue to roll out more mobile units, as this will increase the reach of the Department, especially in rural areas, and ultimately improve service delivery. Honorable Jefferson, the ANC supports the Budget vote Home Affairs. I thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Honorable Sheikh. We continue with the debate and we call on the Honourable C. Fisser to continue with the debates. Honourable Karen Fisser.
4: Thank you, Honourable Deputy, Ch- Deputy Chair, Honourable Members and Honourable Minister and Deputy Ministers. All protocols observed. Honourable Minister, in July 2019, you stated that simple interactions with home affairs might become a nightmare for South African citizens. Here, I can agree with you, Minister. Turning home affairs into hell affairs, being held hostage by an IT system. There is literally not one section of home affairs, hell affairs, that is not understaffed, undercapacitated, under resourced in non compliance to deliver services to such an extent that South Africans are now. Also forced to utilize the fraudulent war on queuing services allowed by the department to openly run their business as being part of the system, further contributing to the complete failure of service and the dissatisfaction of extremely frustrated citizens. Fragile aged and disabled citizens are be, who are not being not be able to fight your war on long queuing hell affairs, nightmare experiences repetitively without receiving the documents required from the department equals inuma- inhumanity. Recently, it was published how intellectual dis- disabled learners from the Itamaleng School in Gauteng have been struggling to get their IDs from Home Affairs for years. An 18-year-old student of this school came first in an in-house athletics competition but is unable to compete provincially or nationally because she cannot present the needed documents. Home Affairs turned their lives into hell affairs. Although Home Affairs' website provides a list of 12 banks where smart ID cards can be processed, this service is only available from one bank in Cape Town. Phoning the other banks to establish export ID cards can be obtained from them, it was confirmed that the plan could not be successfully implemented by the department. Honourable Minister, recently I had to assist South African parents working on a fixed contract in Zambia who tried for 15 months to register their baby boy at the South African Embassy in Lusaka without success. The Department of Home Affairs officials operating within the embassy were dragging their feet for 15 months, sending them from pillar to post, not following the processes as appears for birth registrations on your website. Most of the time, these officials were not even at office for a set appointment. Instead, the officials referred them to the Zambian offices of birth registrations, whilst Zambian legislation only allows birth registrations of babies born in Zambia from Zambian citizens. On their return to South Africa, the Zambian authorities refused to let the child return with the parents and threatened to place the child in an orphanage. This was a hell of a nightmare where MP Kanyele and I had to resolve this in- inhumane issue of incompetence. Mr. Mr. Thomas Sigama, Deputy General, Director General at Home Affairs, stated in the media that parents should register their children within 30 days of birth, of which most parents proudly want to comply with, but listening to the hell parents go through to get a birth registration done is impossible and boils down to incompetence of management. Queries submitted to the department spokesperson are only that the department is working on it, but no further response is received to any follow-ups thereafter. Haniki Georgina Stradum was adopted by her biological father after her biological mother signed her off after a court judgment in 2018. Despite the court order, all relevant documents being dri- driving up and down from Blumhof to Wilmeranstad in the northwest, then sent to offices in Bloemfontein in the Free State, then to Jan Kempdorp uh, in the Northern Cape fighting your war on queuing, closed offices, system failures, officials eating, drinking, watching videos on their smartphones resulted to non-compliance of a service. A hell affairs nightmare still ongoing, leaving this young girl in an identity crisis with legal implications explaining why her surname differs from that of her parents because she is not entitled to receive the services of Home Affairs, Health Affairs. Honourable Minister, the Department has a constitutional and statutory mandate to provide services to the public, including birth registration, identity documentation, immigration status, citizenship, death certificates, and much more. This is the Department's job, citizens' approach home affairs offices, not requesting a favor from them, but exercising their right and complying within the said legislation of the land. Citizens of South Africa are entitled to efficient and transparent services of home affairs. Sadly, we must concede that the Department of Home Affairs is failing the citizens of South Africa within every service and in every office, truly creating anger in frustrated citizens. We must acknowledge the collapse of the Department of Home Affairs, as much as we do the collapse of ANC run municipalities in South Africa. I thank you.
1: Thank you, Honorable Professor. We continue and we call on Honorable Muletsane to continue with the debate. Uh,
5: Honorable. Thank you, Chapasin. Thank you, Chapasin. Uh, Let me apologize for for, for not switching on my video as I'm standing in for Honorable uh, Zander Mela. Chairperson, the economic freedom fighters reject the proposed budget vote for the Department of Home Affairs. One of the major responsibilities of the public sector is to ensure that all citizens have access to and receive services. Yet, despite its numerous regional offices spread across the country, this department has not been effective in the performance of functions such as the regulation of migration, registration of deaths, marriages and deaths, and the issuing of identity documents and passports. The department department stands as one of the most dysfunctional departments in government, which is concerning to note as the services of the Department of Home Affairs are central to the everyday life of South Africans and immigrants in their country. We reject the budget for a department which is headed by a minister which has on numerous occasions displayed Afrophobic tendencies towards African nationals, blaming African immigrants on several occasions for clogging up service delivery in this country without a shred of evidence. The solution to migration is the development of the African continent and the creation of massive industries that will create sustainable jobs, not the criminalization of Africans who were born on this continent. The minister has also failed to deal decisively with the bedlog of asylum seekers who have been waiting for many years for a decision of their application for asylum. We reject the budget of a department which is, which is known for nothing but its uh, disheartening cues uh, which often start at the early hours of the morning, beyond entrances of the majority of the branches of Home Affairs. Long queues have become a permanent feature outside Home Affairs offices across all provinces. From, Joe, from Johannesburg to East London and Cape Town, despite a war on cues on campaign having been initiated, with the majority of the offices across all provinces suffering from a chronic problem of having their systems offline. Almost all the, all the time, all the time, Johannesburg and King Williamstown offices are forever offline, so much so that no one actually knows what the staff of home affairs are doing at these offices. When offices are operational, the service, the service received from staff is often appealing. The situation is worse for those areas which, which are in the outskirts of town and rural areas. We simply do not have access, and as a result, our people have to travel long distance to start queuing at four o'clock at Home Affairs offices. Only to be assisted at ten o'clock, and then told to return the following day because the systems are offline. It has been almost two months since floods hit KwaZulu-Natal and some parts of Eastern Cape. Yet our people cannot get social assistance because they are still without identity documents. The Department of Home Affairs, Emergency operation Operation Functions, functions like any other home affairs office in the country. And in the past five years, committee budget and recommendations, recommendation reports have all lamented the symbolic state of home affairs offices. Yet to date, none of the issues have been resolved. Instead, the minister comes here every day to ridicule members of parliament, giving an impression that he knows it all and he is, he is doing something. When on the ground, home affairs workers are suffering and our people are stranded, every day at home affairs offices there exists is a lack of leadership at home affairs and mr modality has no capacity to lead a department such as home affairs as the eff we we therefore reject the budget of a department which offers poor services lack of information lack of guidance unprofessional staff and never ending technical problem. We reject the budget of a department which has outdated offices located in areas which are not accessible to our people. We reject the budget of a department which lacks backup networks and works with outdated equipment leading to its branches. Uh,
0: systems going offline. The continued uh, reliance on CETA and uh, the
5: continued reliance of on CETA and public works without a solution inside is a sign of the collective incompetence of the ruling party. CETA prides itself on being the government's biggest consumer of IT goods and services because it relies on contractors who inflate prices and do poor work. Chairperson, we reject the budget of the hopeless State of Department, which year after year remains the laughingstock of civil uh, service.
1: We are are now calling on the Deputy Minister of Home Affairs, the Honourable Nzuza, to continue with
6: the debate. Honourable Chairperson, Minister of Home Affairs, Dr. Aron Mtsualeti, Ministers and Deputy Ministers present. Chairperson of the Select Committee on Security and Justice, members of the Select Committee on Security and Justice, the Director General of the Department of Home Affairs and the Management Team, BMA Commissioners, fellow south africans it gives us great pleasure and honor to join the policy debate for budget vote five home affairs chair these debates are crucial for us as a department to share what the resources allocated to the department of home affairs are able to do in improving the lives of the people it is through such debates where we get a platform on what we intend to do with the resources and what we were able to do with the resources allocated to us in the previous years the department of home Affairs carries the responsibility to ensure that no south african under any circumstances suffers the standard of invisibility this we do by managing citizenship and civic registration chapters in our commitment to resolve and ability to respond even in times of crisis was put to the test during the floods that ravaged KZN, Eastern Cape, and other parts of our country. The Department of Home Affairs responded to this crisis by deploying nine mobile units, which have serviced 41 sites. We have serviced 2,224 citizens for smart ID card applications and issued 349 bed certificates on the spot. The reissue of both smart ID cards and bed certificates were at no cost to citizens, understanding that this was a disaster situation. The disaster situation, also displayed the capabilities of our mobile units to service people in areas in which they live, taking both applications and issuing of enabling documents. We are currently operating a fleet of 100 mobile units, which also provides support to high-volume offices and offices under distress. In the past financial year, the budget allowed us to, conduct 2000, to visit 2,056 sites. This fleet has also been able to save his 131,164 clients and school learners with smart ID card applications in the 2021-2022 financial year. This resulted in saving thousands of rents in travel costs that would have been incurred had they gone to our offices. The 2021-22 budget allowed us to procure additional 10 mobile units which are ready for deployment. We will be procuring a further 15 of these mobile units in the 22 23 financial year. Through the mobile units, we are better placed to reach out to areas where there is likely or no home affairs footprint, especially in rural and remote areas. The mobile units are also the backbone of our school smart ID campaign, which has benefited both urban and rural schools. Using mobile units, we have been able to target learners, ensuring that South African learners doing grade 12 sit for their examinations already in possession of smart ID cards. We have now also placed focus on grade 11, which saw the number of learners starting grade 12 without identity documents reduced from 8,186 in 2020 to only 2,516 in the 21 academic year. In the period we visited 1,000, and 11 schools working in partnership with the Department of Basic Education. The additional mobile units purchased and the ones to be purchased in the new financial year will extend our reach and greatly enhance our school ID campaigns. Those who reject the project are therefore rejecting our ability to go further and advance in servicing children in schools. in the 2021-22 budget allowed us to issue a total of 2,369,172 smart ID cards. This we would not have been able to do if we were forever offline. Figures are more accurate than perception. With this were did surpassing the target of 1.6 million. This was despite the limitations imposed on operations by the COVID-19 pandemic and its management and preventative measures. Of the smart ID cards issued, 966,068 were for first-time applicants comprising mainly of the youth. It is a significant improvement compared to the 622,000 issued to first-time applicants in the previous financial year. It is indicative of the impact And the improvements we are making in the lives of young people of our country. This we can never do, Chairperson, without the resources and the budget that we are deliberating upon today. The budget allocation for the financial year 22 23 has allowed us to increase the planned issue of Smite ID cards. A card with 37.5 percent, of which 600,000 more than the previous financial year. Which means in the 22-23 financial year, we will issue 2.2 million smart cards to to citizens attaining the age of 16 years and above. We continue to make steady progress towards universal birth registration. We strive to build a credible, accurate, and secure national population register with a single point of entry within the first calendar first thirty. Calendar days of bed. In 2122, we had set a target of registering 700,000 beds within 30 days. However, we surpassed this target by registering a total of 1,018,718 beds, of which 800,057, accounting for 785 percent were registered within 30 calendar days. This percentage is up from 73.7% of the previous financial year. We internalize. We intend to normalize early birth registration at above 90% by the year 2024. And that is why we promote parents to make sure that they register the birth of their children within 30 days. Part of the strategy in this regard to make it easy is to expand our office footprint in health facilities in order to bring home affairs services closer to the people. In this way, parents can register their children before leaving the hospital or health facility. A service which is more convenient than planning a home affairs visit at a later stage. This service is rendered, is rendered in partnership with the Department of, of Health. The number of registered sites where beds were registered during the review period was 803, consisting of 412 home affairs fund offices and across 391 health facilities, which we, int- which we intend to increase over the coming years. The positive impact of health facilities is demonstrated by the 42.3% of beds registered that in 21-22, which were done at health, facil- for health facilities, which is an increase from 33.4% in the 2020-21 financial year. We anticipate that the numbers of both of better registration in health facilities will increase in the current financial year. Our clients share need customized and personalized services due to the unique nature of their needs. Hence, our technology must respond to the unique needs. We have clients which with names that have special characters, fingerprints that are damaged by the years of physical labor, amputees due to medical or accidents and many other challenges. It is our duty to ensure that our system responds to such individuals irrespective of their challenges. Hence, we continue to enhance our technology to have multimodal biometrics like facial recognition. The 22 23 budget will see us exploring new ways to better save its citizens. We will procure kiosks that will allow clients to self-service for passports and smart id applications and reprint birth, marriage and death certificates making it easier to access our services the kiosk will be designed in a manner that will require authentication through biometrics and will be located in strategic areas to allow access even after office hours or weekends the self kiosk will answer a new era in the manner in which we service our clients. The recently piloted branch appointment booking system is proving to be the solution in as far as dealing with the management of queues. The branch appointment booking system can be accessed by clients through the home affairs website and is, web- is web-based. It provides citizens with the ability to book dates and time slots for their-, their choice and is linked to the national population register for additional security. The rollout of the system will follow a phased approach and 43 large offers. Offices will have the system by 30 June 2022. 120 midterm offices will have the system by 31 October 2022, and 34 small offices by November 2022, and the remaining will continue as working services. Chairperson, we have the responsibility to ensure that the budget is managed in a responsible manner that is free of corruption. The budget must do what it is meant for, and that derives value for money. We are pleased that the department achieved an unqualified audit result in respect of the 2020-2021 financial year. This was the fifth conservative uh, successive unqualified audit opinion for the department. Matters preventing the department from achieving a clean audit outcome are impairments and receivables and accrued departmental revenue. We do acknowledge that there is still more to be done in improving the department's audit outcome, but our ability to maintain an unqualified audit opinion Means we are taking correct steps in the right direction. Through our collective commitment and resilience, I believe that the vision of a modern, secure Department of Home Affairs that strategically delivers its full constitutional mandate is within reach. I would like to further thank the Chairperson and members of the Select Committee for the work they continue to do with us and for the guidance on key strategic issues. Through your valuable guidance, together we can build a future fit Home Affairs. I thank
0: you, Chair.
1: Thank you very much, Honourable Deputy Minister. We will now call on the Honourable Barbara Bartlett to continue with the debate.
7: Thank you, Honourable Chairperson. Good afternoon, Honourable Chairperson, ministers and deputy ministers, members of parliament, fellows of Africans. Dignity has come to display three elements of constitutional education post-World War II. Firstly, the ontological element which entails that human beings be have equal inherent human dignity that cannot be weighed or diminished. Second, the Honourable Chairperson, the element being the claim that inherent human dignity has to be recognized and respected. Thirdly, Chair, the limited state claim is a third element which entails that states have a positive obligation to progressively realize human dignity through a mechanism of socio-economical rights. Section 10 of the Constitution entails that everyone has inherent dignity and the right to have dignity respected and protected, Chair. Human dignity is a central value of the objective, normative value system established by the Constitution. A person's identity is inextricably linked to the human right dignity. The core mandate of the Department ensures the realization of this right, which is to secure and confirm identity and citizenship securing the identity and status of every citizen chair as part of our journey towards socio-economic transformation and the restoration of the dignity of citizens in line with the constitution of the Republic of South Africa. Honorable Chair, the Department of Home Affairs touches the lives of citizens from the cradle to the grave, starting with the registration of infants within 30 days of birth. After birth certificates, the Department issues identity documents which enable citizens to do various transactions like opening an account, applying for a business license, or registering for a course. Secure documents like passports, also ensure our people are treated with respect even when they travel outside of the country. When people enter into marriages or civil unions, the department is involved. Finally, when people die, their deaths are registered. The The civic arm of Home Affairs is the biggest and the most active for any individual to live a stable, productive, trouble-free and beneficial life within the confines of the laws of the country. Such an individual needs the services of home affairs at least three times within their lifetime. Honorable Chairperson, one of the priorities of the ANC government is to build a capable and developmental state. A capable state is necessary for effective service delivery and guides economic development. A developmental state Must be capable of leading, guiding, and mobilizing all social partners towards achieving national objectives and goals. Honorable Chairperson, the Citizen Affairs Branch is responsible for providing secure, efficient, and accessible services and documents to citizens and lawful residents. It ensures that entry to the population register happens within 30 days of a child's birth. It maintains the number of smart identity cards and has a target of 3 million per year. It also targets to issue 90% of machine-readable adult passports through the new life capture process within 13 working days. Honorable Chairperson, one of the long-standing priorities has been to clean up the National Population Register, the NPR, which continues, for historical reasons, to contain significant encourages. One of the key approaches to clean up the NPR has been to persuade all parents to register their children within 30 days of birth. To optimize birth registration, the Department continues to improve connectivity at the health centers through its increased footprint plan. The committee has recommended that the Department connect more hospitals to ensure that more births are registered at hospitals. This will assist with cutting long queues at the Department of Home Affairs officers. Honorable Chair, during his State of the Nation address, our Honorable President Cyril Ramaphosa announced that 10,000 unemployed youth will be hired to take on the enormous task of inputting the records on the department's system. This is part of the presidential employment stimulus. With 10,000 people working on this, the department believes that it will have records within two to three years. It has been reported that there are more than 300 million paper records dating back to the 18th. This is an indication that the Department of Home Affairs is ripe. This recruitment drive will enhance the skills of those who are recruited and contribute to the modernization of citizen services. Addressing unemployment is critical in rebuilding the economy. Honorable Chair, more than 222 billion rand has been requested from, from, from National Treasury for this project to cover equipment and salaries. The ministers indicated that this is not an internship program, but rather a recruitment drive open to all unemployed young people with IT qualifications. We look forward to seeing this. The triple challenges of inequality, poverty, and unemployment must be addressed with urgency. Honorable Chair, the government printing works a success story for the country. This is a highly efficient self-funded organization that produces amongst others, secure passports and smart ID cards. The GPW has positioned itself as high security print of official documents and contributes to security and credibility of governments. The GPW has expanded and is expanding, expanding its footprint on the Sardeg region. For instance, the Namibian Ministry of Home Affairs and Immigration visited GPW on the 14th and 15th of March, 2022. The targeted products were birth certificates. It has been included marriage certificates and death certificates. A new product, refugee permit, has been included in portfolio. 60,000 copies of Namibian birth certificates have been produced and were delivered to Namibia in April 2022. The GPW works with Swatini uh, University. Examinations Council of Swatini, Somalia, Kenya Government, Press, DRC, Ethiopia, and Lesotho. This must be applauded. Honorable Chairperson, the natural disaster which befell the people of KZN and Eastern Cape could not have come at a worse time. The ravages of the COVID-19 pandemic and impact of the July unrest still affect many people. Deputy Mendez Zuza and KwaZulu-Natal Premier Sikalala handed over enabling documents to people who were affected by the floods in the province. Russia now was to ensure that those affected by the floods are able to access basic services, such as banking and social services. Thus was to ensure that the communities reclaim their lives and return to normally. The Department of Home Affairs also deployed mobile units in order to receive applications for enabling documents, such as IRIS and birth certificates, which were lost as a result of the disaster. Honorable Chair, the reissuing of birth and death certificates came at no cost to the affected communities. This must be applauded. Regarding the challenge of long queues, it has been reported that CETA has informed the department that they are spending 400 million rents, revamping its entire network, having just completed the procurement process in that regard. This revamp will be concluded in the third quarter of this financial year. It has also been reported that CETA has doubled the internet capacity and introduced three followers located in three cities, namely Chwane, Chwane, Cape Town and Chikwene. This will ensure that each, if any of the network is down, there will be two to support our our services. Manaste has also indicated that the department will be bringing in eight IT engineers from the banking sector. Honorable Chair, we will be monitoring this and other developments. Creating a better life for all is a priority of the ANC. Honorable Chairperson, will supports the budget vote. I thank you, Honourable Chair.
1: Thank you very much, Honourable Budget. We are continuing and we call on the Honourable Isaac Sileko to continue with the debate. Honourable Sileko? Honourable Sileko?
0: Is there a,
8: is there a problem? My apologies, Chair.
1: Can you hear me? we can hear you. Thank you.
8: Honourable Deputy Chairperson, honourable members and honourable minister and deputy minister. Ad young as ek aan die aan aan manier my lusige gabe voormalige minister van binnelandse sake dink, kom die gezichten van die Gupta broers bij my op. There was a special link between the minister and the Guptas, but for a long time the minister could not remember whom of the brothers received South African citizenship when he was the minister of home affairs. However, I am extremely glad for the former minister that at least two of the Gupta brothers are apparently returning home. I hope they will find each other in Orange and get consensus about the citizenship issue. Home affairs. Has a new minister, the Honourable Aaron Motualedi. and in less than two years, this minister will find out that the people had, amongst others, enough of him and his dysfunctional Department of Home Affairs. Home Affairs is an important department that affects all South Africans, all South Africa's lives. In Sona 2022, the State President, Mr. Palapala, promised that 10,000 new positions will be recruited from young graduates. I hope these youngsters, if the plan succeeds, of course, will apply the principle of people first. It is unfortunate that the poorest of the poor have to experience the lack of respect from a department which is vital to them. Every year, Deputy Chairperson, we debate the inabilities of this department, and every year matters get worse. We hear about lazy officials that cannot or do not want to do the work. One would think they are being forced to work there. We hear of people who stand in long shoes for hours. And when they get into the facilities, they hear that they must come back if the system is off. That young foster is an farmer's scandal. Often we receive The service is so humiliating that the Human Rights Commission has to intervene. However, not even this has an effect on the victims still have to go from pillar to post. We hear of almost systemic corruption. And just recently, I read about directors that were suspended. The problem is that corrupt official simply follows the actions of more corrupt politicians. We hear of people that pays to jump the queue. We have people sitting in those shoes without anything to eat or to drink. We have elderly people who cannot get sassa money because they do not have IDs. At young forsitter, an article that opened Kossi on Langs and the City Press of Scravers illustrated the readers for Gemirska where the Bernasa Saga se a poorer and ongefooler hate. writes that only 184 of the 411 frontline staff have access to the system that issues smart IDs and passports. This article, Deputy Chairperson, illustrates why home affairs is a failed organ of state. TIPIs, home affairs, does not admit their failures and instead they blame misinformation, a lack of law management and either inadequate infrastructure for the chaos at at their regional offices. In the offices, more than 200,000 smart ID cards and 70,000 green barcoded ID books are ready for collection. At young forsitter, let's a very good scenario of what met ons by business sake, the On the morning in Rodeport, ten, people wrapped in blankets are prepared for a long day of waiting. When the sun starts to rise, more people arrive and find their places in the respective queues for birth certificates, temporary IDs, IDs, and passports. Some who need to attend to physical needs pay car guards to keep their places in the queue. Inside the building, the security guards are waiting cozily for 8 a.m. before they start to book appointments. After three hours in the line, a person has to return home because he could not show confirmation for an appointment. At Young Foursetter, van the Beginsel van and the Eerste. I read about a woman who went to Home Affairs in 2020 to upgrade her child's birth certificate. She needed an abridged version as she wanted the father to have the legal power to step in if something happens to her. No one wanted to assist her. Deputy chairperson, the funding budgeted for home affairs is insufficient but so is their effectiveness and abilities to render services. I use this opportunity to plead to the minister to increase the the mobile offices and to take home affairs to the people. At least that way, the people will not have to travel far for IDs. I thank you. Thank you,
1: Honorable Seleko. We are calling on Honorable Hadebe to continue with the debate.
9: Honorable Hadebe. Thank you, Honourable Deputy Chairperson, Honourable Minister, Honourable Deputy Minister. It is undeniable that the Department of Home Affairs has been dysfunctional for years and has been functioning in a perpetual crisis mode. The tragic reality is that the people of South Africa, hardworking people, bear the brunt of this broken system. This broken system sees our people rising at the crack of dawn to queue at a Home Affairs offices, desperately waiting for some, if any, assistance. This broken system is aggravated by corrupt officials, a shortage of critical staff and dilapidated offices. In its annual performance plan, the Department emphasizes that the Department is, I quote, Central to harnessing the fourth industrial revolution and building a capable state, close quote. However, all we see and all the people of South Africa see are endless queues, unanswered calls, dilapidated offices, and a system that always seems to be off, off, offline. On a daily basis, MPs are <clears throat> being un- inundated with calls from citizens in desperate need of help with their passports, IDs, birth certificates and permits. We have become the admin officers of this department, and we continue to see this department further falling apart. The IFP, however, believes that the biggest crisis the department faces is an immigration crisis. The current manual asylum seeker system has been abused and riddled with corruption and fraud. It seems that the corruption is endemic and the border management authority being hailed as the so-called solution will not only cost us millions to implement, but it will also take years to become fully operational. This immigration crisis and our government's deep failure to manage our borders in a cooperative manner has seen citizens being pitted against non-citizens the rise of xenophobia, and has destabilized communities. This is all directly due to a dysfunctional department and failing government. It is time for our government to table to the nation a plan of action to fix our immigration system to ease the legitimate concerns South Africans are raising. The IFP believes, believes that such a plan must include a commitment for additional immigration inspectors and resources for deportations from trejan. Urgent action is needed to restore the credibility of the department. The public has a right to be treated with the dignity and to be served with efficiency and competence at the offices of Home Affairs. Above all, the public desperately needs to have faith that corruption and fraud within Home Affairs will be fought on all levels. This we need to physically see to restore any faith in the department's ability to fulfill its legis- legislative mandate. The IFP accepts the budget vote, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. I thank you.
0: Thank
1: you very much, Honorable Hadewe. We continue and we call on the Honorable D. Ryder to continue with the debate. Honorable Ryder.
10: Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Chairperson. Home Affairs, the department where service delivery is incredibly erratic. There are stories of people applying for their passports and ID documents and receiving them within a week. No bribery, no corruption, just an apparent alignment of the planets for them. Amazing work, well done. It just proves what is possible. Sadly, by far the majority of stories are not so positive. It all starts in the queue. We see those queues forming from around 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning or even before, snaking around the buildings and managed by the security guards who know nothing of home affairs and even less about customer relations. And yet they are tasked with sorting out the queues, advising people on processes and where to stand, and generally running the show at the door and what a show it is. I asked a question on this, Minister, and your dismissive reply came back to me on the 10th of February, 2022. It showed no understanding of what actually goes on in your branches. Take a leaf from the Democratic Alliance leader's book. He was on the ground doing oversight at your branches in April. What he found there was already known, but chilling nonetheless. I urge you, Minister, to pick up yesterday's Soweto newspaper, which covers the story of a man who tried to get service from home affairs in his hometown, East London, and received no assistance. He travelled with his wife to Pretoria, where they hoped to get better service. Instead, the man, who is a priest, was met with aggression from the security guard who was manning the door. He explained that he had applied and paid the appropriate fees and yet had not received the document that he needed. He was not helped. And when he attempted to get past to see a staff member, he was assaulted. There's a picture of him on the ground being dragged by his feet through the Home Affairs branch. Is this the dignity with which your own citizens are treated, Minister Motswolelli, the people who elected you? It's no wonder that many foreigners who have to visit home affairs just give up and take their chances as so-called illegal immigrants. Your staff see them as nothing more than an ATM, and they are treated despicably. If you want to look at the root cause of xenophobia, just listen to the Minister of Home Affairs' obsession with naming the nationalities of the people being arrested, as if their nationality itself is a determinant of their criminality. There has been an outcry about the Irish airline who asked people to prove themselves to be valid South Africans by talking Afrikaans. We should not be castigating the airline, however misguided you might think they are. We should be asking ourselves, why was this even necessary? The answer is plain. Home Affairs has been internationally recognized as a joke and the validity of South African passports questionable due to the rampant corruption in this department. The minister spoke this afternoon about connectivity and information technology, and yet, he neglected to comment on the protracted downtime of the government printing works, whose website had a massive impact on the communication of laws, regulations, and other gazetted items, potentially making these open to dispute. Where are all the skills, minister, your department's wage bill indicates that you should have the top IT experts in the country working for you. Deputy Minister Nzuza, are having... Uh, I just want to make the point, Deputy Minister, that having a mobile office is only worth bragging about if people who you're supposed to be serving know where and when those mobile units will be. The irregularity of visits, combined with the continuous unavailability of drivers, has turned this service into a game of chance, with the odds stacked against the man that your government has put in the street. Program two of this budget is called Citizens Affairs. I draw the House's attention to the fact that the budget shrinks by an average of 5.5% per year over the next three years. The message to South Africans is clear. The ANC government are not servicing your needs now, and they are providing less money going forward, so that the service levels get even worse. Honourable Bartlett told us what a capable state is. It's quite clear that we currently don't have one. So whichever way you look at it, any funding given to this department should be condemned until there is a strong political will to step in and fix the mess that the ANC has created. As the Democratic Alliance prepares to take over government in South Africa, we have been developing a set of formal policies. So once again, I draw the attention of voters to the Democratic Alliance's recently released migration policy. It's a clear path to fixing this mess. We'll start doing this come 2024. Thank you, Deputy Chair. Thank you very much.
0: Honorable Nkosi,
1: you may continue with the debate. I hope you are. Uh, Honourable Chairperson,
11: this mm-hmm. is Honourable Dodovu. I'm going to take uh, the position clear. of Honourable. It's, it's,
1: it's very clear. It's not Honourable Nkosi. Yes, <laughs> this is
0: me. Really
11: Honourable Dodovu, and may continue. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, I'm in the Eastern Cape, in the rural parts of the Eastern Cape. I'm going to not use my camera so that I'm able to to address this house very, very properly. Deputy Chairperson, members of, of the NCOP, the minister and deputy minister here this afternoon, I rise on behalf of the ANC in the first instance, to support the budget. This is a budget that seeks to ensure that, at the end of the day, the department really becomes a custodian, a protector, and a verifier of the identity and the status of the South African citizens. This is quite important to say this because this is a mammoth task that the department must accomplish. But now I fully understand today, this afternoon, why this castigation against the department, I fully understand why everything that the department led by Honorable Mutualeri is doing is being challenged, is being criticised, is being castigated. It is precisely because the DA, uh, Honourable Raida has confirmed me this afternoon that the DA seeks the vote, they seek to become a government and therefore anything that and everything that the, de- the department is doing is going to be challenged. Because in that way, for me, he seeks votes like a predator at a smell of blood. They want to attract the voters because they use this trumpet of attacking everything that the department is doing, despite acknowledging the fact that there are serious challenges that the department is confronting and that the department is doing quite well to ameliorate the situation that we find ourselves in. Now, at this time, Honorable Chairperson, under the guidance and leadership of Honorable Motswaledi, I think the department is resolute I think the department is positioned. I think the department is ready to ensure that we address all the challenges and the problems that are affecting us, be it the long queues that are experienced in our offices of home affairs, be it the issue of illegal immigrants that we have in our country, be it corruption. And for the very fact that there are senior officials who are being arrested in the department it is precisely because of the work that the minister is doing to ensure that we uproot corruption and all of these manifestations and this is very very good and we are saying that the minister must stand up and address an important issue of overcrowding and long queues in the in the offices this is an important matter and this budget seeks to attend to that and i want to sincerely implore on this department to ensure that we truly in a very genuine way address this issue of 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 long shoes in our offices but at the same time the minister has carried the bull by his horns by ensuring that he speaks openly in a very articulate way about the problems of illegal immigrants. And some of these illegal immigrants, Honorable Chair, we must say it, some of them commit crime in our country, some of them open businesses illegally, some of them perpetuate the issue of drugs that we see in our society. Not all of them, not all of them, I must say, Honorable Chairperson, like some members inclined us to believe. Some of them are doing these things, and the Honorable Minister is at the forefront of this campaign, is at the forefront of ensuring that everybody who lives in South Africa is recorded, is registered, is known. And for me, this is quite important. It's a process that is going to take some time as a country to deal with, but having a minister like Honorable Motswaledi. We are quite confident that he's going to make an indelible contribution that is going to make an impact in terms of addressing this particular issue. And, and and I'm surprised to hear Honorable Sileku speaking in the way that he's speaking. I think he has developed a functional blindness on his own defects, for him to stand up and criticize without bringing solutions to the problems that he and me and the minister are seeing as South Africans, I think he's is, is going down. And our view is that we need to continue to attend to these particular issues, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chair, the ANC in his January 8 statement has set out clear priorities for all ANC members and South Africans in terms of what needs to be done this year. Among those priorities is to defend our democratic gains against attempts to undermine our constitution, as well as the order that we find ourselves in, to build a capable state as honorable, Butler like has eloquently said it, to ensure that we are effective, we are, we are ethical, and that we drive the implementation of transformation agenda in the way that is going to inspire confidence. And when you compare the situation that is obtained today, Honourable Chair, and the situation that obtained in the past, you can see that there are a lot of changes that have been effected over a period of time in the Department of Home Affairs. And I hear Honorable Hadeba from the IOP saying that uh, there are problems, there are problems, there are problems. And I wonder at the time that his leader, uh, Chief Mangos Utibuteled, was the Minister of Home Affairs, where this problem was not obtained, because most of this problem started at that particular time. But because we are not here for a blame game, Honorable Chair, we are here seeking solutions to the many challenges that are facing us. We will not be deterred. We will not be defocused. We shall be... We shall be resolute in our conviction to ensure that we attend to these particular issues. Now I implore the Minister this afternoon, as as, as the ANC, that we need to go all out and resolve all the problems that are afflicting the department itself. The issues of administration, the issues of filling the key positions within the administration are very, very much fundamental. The, the department must also go and attend to all the financial situations that are obtained. Develop a very clear-cut corruption plan within the department because it is that problem that that demeans and defocuses the department. Whether it is corruption in relation to the ID documents, whether it is corruption in relation to allowing immigrants, illegal immigrants in our country, whether it is corruption in relation to bribery and any other form, of corruption, it must be attended to. And our respective view as the ANC is that the minister, with the little budget that he has, he must focus the attention of the department in the realization of that particular goal. We are also happy as the ANC, Honorable Chairperson, that we have uh, finalized ultimately the legislation on border management. I think this border management will help to ensure that the work of government is done in a coordinated way. it is done in an interdepartmental way. it is done in an intergovernmental way because that is what is important that all stakeholders in unison in one direction must focus in ensuring that we
0: protect our borders uh, all and irrespective to ensure
11: the illegal immigrants, which is a problem in this country. And we are quite happy that all the systems have been put in place, and that all structures have been put in place, and that all processes have been put in place. And at the end of the day, we are going to see the rollout and the implementation of the border management as an authority, which is quite important. And in our respective view, given how we have adopted and passed this law, that it is going to solve many of the problems that are facing us. But in addition to that, I'll sincerely encourage the minister to ensure that once that authority is in place, it must be staffed by competent people, by experienced people, by qualified people to ensure that they do the work. In a very patriotic spirit, they do their work in a way that inspires confidence. But most importantly, they do it because we must preserve and reserve our South Africanness in a way that will ensure that at the end of the day, we achieve the objectives that uh, that, that has been set before us. With that, honourable chairperson, as I indicated from the beginning, as the ANC will fully. And we think that we do more that are characterized by the, with the budget we have. And we, we, we believe as the ASC that with this budget and the annual performance plan of the department, the minister, uh, as, as part of leading the department, will make an indelible contribution in terms of attending to those particular issues. Uh, under the circumstances, Honorable Chair, as the ANC, as I indicated, we support this budget vote. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much,
11: Honorable Dodo. We will continue and we will
1: request the Honorable Minister, Minister Mutsaledi, to conclude the debate. Over to you, Honorable Minister.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, Mrs. Fessel from the DA, most of the problems you mentioned in our debate are, are already given the solution in the budget speech. I'll really humbly ask you to go and reread the budget speech again. You'll find the solution there. But together with other members of the DA, you kept on mentioning the word collapse, collapse, collapse department. I want to give you statistics because figures don't lie. From the 1st of January to the 31st of March, in a three-month period, 269,732 babies were born in in South Africa. 204,000 of them, 204,108. They got their best certificate within 30 days. The remainder got... Their birth certificate, even though it was after 30 days. That is the first three months of the year. A total of 902,000 people and 14 received their smart cards. We issued 26,864 passports for young people, youngsters, and 136,864 three passports for adults. All this work was done in the first three months by a department that is supposed to have collapsed. Now there is this story of Guadalupe Nadal floods, which keep on being repeated from EFF desks. I'm saying so because there was a claim during my budget speech, that's two weeks ago, in the National Assembly, that uh, the flood victims are unable to obtain social services. Because Home Affairs did not play its role. i challenge you to go to the handset
0: to find the answer there in figures, but because this thing is being repeated, I would like to repeat it again. This is for the third time. The minister gave the figures
2: today because he was running the program. I'm giving it for the third time so that we have got resources. The Department of Home Affairs in KZN visited 38 sites in Ichequini, physically going back to the people, not waiting for them to come home affairs. Three sites in Ugu, four sites in Ilembé. In total, 2,394 people who lost their documents were held. And secondly 334 death certificates were issued. Without which people would not have been buried, and these were free services, all in all. So please to keep on repeating the same story again and again, and hoping that one day it will be true. Doesn't uh, just cut it. Home Affairs went there with our mobile trucks, and actually the Premier of kwazulu Natal was shown with uh, the Deputy Minister going around giving people the IDs, I mean, the documents they've applied for. Uh, Mr. Sinek, you you, you mentioned the issue of mobile trucks. I've mentioned in my speech that we're already increasing them. We've already bought 10. We're going to buy 15 more this financially. And we've taken a decision that we would like to double the number of uh, trucks that we have. Because one of the things we don't want to see is school kids going to queue at home affairs in uniforms. So this is a school program, but we we also help communities in outlying areas, but we also help communities in distress and emergencies, like we did in KwaZulu-Natal. The last issue, uh, Honorable uh, Raider, this story you see in newspapers about the assault. I'm sure by now, as an Honorable Member of Parliament, (laughs) you do know that every story has got two sides. Yes, we see. Uh, somebody being dragged, which is criminal, definitely. And the police and officials are going to deal with that. But I want to tell you to wait, because there's another side of this story of what happened. And I'm not justifying a man being dragged on the ground, but there's another horrible story, which is an alternative story that has not been recorded on video, but which has being told from our investigation. Please wait for the investigation, then see the two sides of the story. There are two cases here which have been opened by by opposing uh, groups in in what you have shown on the newspaper. But you are mentioning only one story. Wait for the other story and hear what the police are saying about it. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. That concludes the debate on votes. 5, is it 5, Home Affairs, and we are now going to continue with the debate and going to vote budget vote 20 on women, youth, and persons with disabilities, and uh, we want to thank everyone that participated in this debate together with the Minister and the Deputy Minister of Home Affairs, and we will now call on the Minister of Women, Youth, and Persons with Disabilities, and in the same vein, call on the Honorable Moima to continue presiding over the next budget vote debate. Over to you, Honorable Minister, and it will be presided over by Honorable Moima. Um,
12: Honorable uh, Deputy Chairperson and Honorable Moima of the NCOP, Madam Silva Lucas, Honorable Chairperson of the Select Committee on Health,
0: Uh, uh, Honorable Gilliam, it is our honour to present before you
12: and this August House the budget vote for the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. The budget vote demonstrates the commitment by our department to empower and advance interests of the most vulnerable groups in our society. This must be achieved through socioeconomic acceleration to overcome the persistent scourge of GBVF, the economic exclusion and marginalization of women, youth and persons with disabilities, as well as the lack of representation of the vulnerable groups in decision-making processes. The department continues in accordance with our mandate to advocate, monitor, evaluate, and regulate for the rights of, and, and, and empowerment of uh, women, youth, and persons with disabilities as enshrined in our constitution of the Republic of South Africa. Honorable Chair, the recent fourth quarter statistics released by the Minister of Police, Honorable Begigal, reveal a horrific picture on the state of our nation. In this regard, the mounting socioeconomic pressure that millions of South African households are subjected to become the breeding ground to, for social instability, criminality, and violence. The unfortunate reality is that women, youth, and persons with disabilities bear the brand of the crisis of crime in our country. We must, therefore, intensify our in- interventions aimed at addressing the second pandemic in our country. The NSP of the GPF is currently in its second year of implementation. I'm pleased to inform this August House that the Inter-Ministerial Committee, which I chair, continues to do its work of coordinating the implementation of the NSP. This is supported by the department's role in providing strategic leadership to advocate, coordinate, monitor, and evaluate the implementation of the NSP uh, to to date. Several uh, strides have been made, including one, National Council of uh, Gender-Based Violence and Femicide Draft Bill, is currently being consulted with MEDLAC and will be tabled in the par- in Parliament later this month. The multisectoral GPF, uh, VF, rapid response teams are in districts uh, uh, in the process of being established in all provinces, districts, and local levels because our women die in their localities. Some in their own houses. We are working closely with municipalities and sectors of departments to ensure integration of the priorities of the NSP and gender based violence into district development model. Technical monitors and data captures have been placed on three pilot provinces, including KwaZulu Natal, Eastern Cape, Hauteng to enhance the capacity of provinces to implement the NSP and gender budget budgeting framework thanks to european union funding we will roll out this support in remaining six provinces during 2022 2023 financial year through the funding from the german agency for international cooperation uh, the department is Developing the national prevention strategy on gender based violence and femicide. We, we, we have ensured that national departments integrate the uh, GBVF priorities into their strategic and annual performance plans. The department coordinates and consolidates the submission of the monthly progress reports. On the implementation of the NSP to the President, we have, in partnership with Santavo, the Taxi Association, initiated the training of taxi drivers and owners on gender-based violence and femicide. The success and impact of the NSP on GBVF must be rooted on collaboration across all sectors of our society. Most importantly. It must be localized to respond to the unique needs of our provinces and localities. Therefore, the NCOP plays a critical role in ensuring the NSP on GBVF finds expression and is incorporated as a priority across our provincial governments. Honorable members, on the 4th of May, 2022, we launched the South African uh, Gender Assessment Report in partnership with the World Bank. The report highlights the overall uh, progress uh, South Africa has made towards gender equality since 1994, including the following areas. Firstly, that South Africa is among the top 10 countries Slopen to have successfully implemented reforms to improve uh, women's legal rights. In SADC, we are number two, the second country in SADC, according to World Economic uh, uh, Fund Gender Gap Index of 2021. Notwithstanding the strides we can no longer ignore the economic marginalization of women, youth, and persons with disabilities. I therefore call on our provincial leadership to ensure that economic interventions proposed at the national level, including economic recovery and reconstruction plan, must be uh, international, intentionalized about the integration of vulnerable groups at a provincial and local level. To ensure that our provinces are able to reach their economic potential, it is important that economic intervention uh, are inclusive in nature. Failure to do so threatens the livelihoods of the vast majority uh, and further reinforces an equal socioeconomic development across our provinces. In this regard, we must always remember that this is going to require each and every one of us because those vulnerable people feel the pain at the most vulnerable level. In this regard, we must continue to promote inter-provincial trade to accelerate the economic transformation support labor-intensive growth, and create competitive economies at a provincial and local level. All these good measures contained in the NSP are commendable. We call on our people to refuse to treat gender-based violence as a private matter. Take someone with you. It is if you do not respond To everyone must get involved. Leave no one behind. On this uh, part, on its part, the government is tightening its effort to eradicate uh, the pandemic. Honorable uh, members,
0: on youth development, we had the honor to launch on the 2nd of June, the Youth
12: Month with NYDA, with the theme Promoting Sustainable Livelihoods and Resilience of Young Peoples for a Better Tomorrow at Maurice Isaacson High School, next to the Hector Peterson Monument. We also visited the monument with the NYDA. During the month of June, we will have various activities to address the pressing challenges of our youth and what they are facing, particularly the unemployment. unemployment. Unemployed, educated, but feeling the need to be creating jobs for themselves or being assisted. I'm having a meeting tomorrow with Honourable Minister of uh, Higher Education, to continue scaling our youth,
0: to that by the time we arrive in Eastern Cape on the 16th, we have uh, that which we could
12: also be saying this is our plans. The official uh, June 16th commemoration, which will be addressed by His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa, Honourable Chairperson. Beyond the Youth Month. I am excited to inform you that the House, that NYDA amendment bill has been tabled in Parliament on the 26th, April, 2022. uh, Furthermore, the integrated youth development strategy as well as monitoring and evaluation framework of the National Youth Policy 2030 will soon be submitted to cabinet for approval. This will enable us to monitor to uh, the implementation of the national youth across all sectors. In addition, the NYDA continues to support the president, the presidential youth uh, employment intervention by providing the following. Uh, the SAE Youth MOBI, the Youth Explorer, and the Youth Empower. In the 2022, 2023 financial year, the NYDA will target the following programs. The training of more than 25,000 young people to be youth entrepreneurs, to be self-employed. 2,000 youth-owned enterprises who will receive financial assistance from the NYDA through the NYDA grant program. 75,000 young people will be provided with skills development program to enable them to enter the economy. 10,000 young people to be placed in jobs through National Pathway Management Network. 50,000 young people to be recruited in the Structured National Youth Service. Honorable Chairperson, we must harness the potential of our provinces in addressing inequalities by accelerating economic development. It is for this reason that it is in our hands that we can work together through the uh, district development model of the, uh, of COPTA to make sure that we leave no one behind. In March 2022, the department procured an exhibition space at the Africa Energy in Daba, in Cape Town, we utilize every opportunity we find. That the department held three dialogues of renewable energy, but also that everywhere else, including the eastern, the, the, the Imbiso on the eastern seaboard. We have participated both in KZN and Eastern Cape, and we will be there in Alfred and in October 2021, His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa launched the uh, WeCorona Women's Economic Assembly that seeks to unlock a minimum of 40% of all procurement for women opportunities for women owned opportunities business across sectoral value chains. In this regard, wecona has developed a strategy to roll out to other provinces the second work will be convened in October 2022. We must ensure that full implementation of the threshold of public procurement set on 40% for women, 30% for youth, and 7% for persons with disabilities across provincial governments happens. It is, in, it, it is our responsibility. As a department, we will continue to work with NCOP to ensure the effective monitoring of women, youth, and persons with disabilities in public procurement, uh, where public uh, procurement takes place. As a department, we will continue uh, adhering to all the international commitments, be it at the international level at the UN, at the AU, SADC to make sure that even the uh, African free trade, uh, African continental free trade uh, area that we had developed also benefits this vulnerable people we are working with. To strengthen the disability inclusion in line with the United Nations uh, Jefferson, the convention of the AU protocol we have signed, the department has developed gazetted two frameworks on universal access to design reasonable accommodation. We welcome the Cabinet's approval of the National Strategic Framework on Disability Rights and Awareness Campaigns Awareness. One of the barriers to participate in the economy for persons with disabilities is access to education. Last year, the department in partnership with the Department of Education held the summit on this uh, framework. Uh, the, disagree- the disaggregate data collected by the GPSA on employment of persons with disabilities in the public service show that public service is at 1%, while our goal remains seven, 7%. Also, the research report published uh, by the Department on Impact on COVID-19 on persons with disabilities, highlights the recommendations towards upholding the rights of people with disabilities living conditions of persons that needs our attention. Parliament is is also in the right uh, process of ratifying AU protocol on rights of persons with disabilities. Later this year, the department will convene the Economic Empowerment Summit for Persons with Disabilities. With regards to the implementation of gender-responsive planning, budgeting, and monitoring evaluation and auditing framework, we are continuing with this across all the three spheres. And we will continue similarly that there are plans to roll out all this framework at the local government level in collaboration with Salgan. The Department of Cooperative Governance um, helps or cooperates with us in making sure that the new councillors are also steeped into this, that which makes all South Africans feel needed and part of the freedom we fought for. We are happy to announce, to, to say to this House, there will be a rollout of Phase one of the project over coming months by the National Treasury on how to partnership, we partner, with Treasury, a DPME and IMF on making sure that all these vulnerable groups find us on the platform. In fulfilling the mandate of the socio-economic empowerment, we will continue. Working together with all the spheres of government. We continue to participate in the African Union Specialized Technical Committee, and we are also never found wanting on CEDAW commitments and committees. We had the pleasure to chair the meeting of CEDAW the committee this year, and they Members were all singing praises of the progress South Africa is making. I'm happy to report to South Africa that South Africa met all the international obligations relating to women, youth and persons with disabilities. In our commitment to strengthen diplomatic relations across the continent, in July we will be hosting National Nelson Mandela Youth Dialogue and Ethical Leadership Program in partnership with the NYDA and Nelson Mandela Foundation and others. This will involve all our youth in the continent who will also participate in the upcoming United Nations Conference on State Parties and on Disability and a Commonwealth Meeting of Ministers of Gender in Kigali. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, the appropriation of the departments uh, increases. From 2022, financial year to 2023 financial year from 763.5 million to 987.2 million. It includes the, an amount of 100 million.7 and 681.3 million year year-marked to transfer to the Gender Commission and NYDA. This appropriation includes baseline increase, amounting to 6.9 million for the CGE and 200 million for the NYTE. The additional allocation of the NYDA is for the implementation of the presidential youth employment interventions that we spoke about uh, earlier. Regrettably, only 5 million uh, allocate, is allocated to the coordination of the strategic plan for gender-based violence. In conclusion, I wish to acknowledge and thank the contribution of and guidance of the honorable chair, honorable members of the NCOP, continued support development partners of the development partners, senior officials of the department, and all those who particularly the Director-General, Mkate koum and Hitchin. We must remain grounded and loyal to the mandate of improving livelihoods of most vulnerable in our society. No contribution is, in, is small in the quest for an ethical and developmental state. We all have collective responsibility to address the challenges that continue to breed a ground uh, to be a building ground for social instability, unemployment, criminality based on violence and poverty. Finally, we continue to commemorate Youth Month. Our youth must be the catalyst in ensuring that we develop solutions to the challenges of our nation. They are the present. They are our future. As in the words of Dr. Nelson Mandela, let me say this and say this with utmost conviction. The nation owes you a clear policy and practical measures to ensure that the youth contributes to and benefits from our new democracy. The mandalas, the Marshall peace of this world, fought for freedom. What shall we be remembered remembered for? To open pathways for our young people to participate in finding solutions for the present and the future. Kyelewoha, uh, Malibu
13: uh, the uh, Mashabani, Minister of Women, Youth and Persons with Disability, for opening the, the debate on Budget vote number 20. Thank you, Minister. We proceed. I'll now call upon Honorable Gillian, the Chair of the State Committee and Health and Social Services, to take part in the debate. Over to you, Honorable Gillian.
14: Honorable Chairperson, Honorable House Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Chief Work, Honorable Members, and all delegates present. Honorable Chairperson, our former statesman Nelson Mandela once said, open quotes, as long as women are bound by poverty and as long as they are looked down upon, human rights will lack substance, close quote. Our aims and objectives as the ANC has always been to include the support and advance the course of women's emancipation. We have put women at the center of the struggle to alleviate poverty and inequality. Over the years, government has worked tirelessly to eliminate the feminization of poverty through strengthening women empowerment mechanisms and across government and society. Honourable members, as the ANC, we understand the significance of women empowerment and the impact it has on our society and economy. Women's empowerment equips and allows women to make life-determining decisions through various challenges in society. Empowering women provides women their right to agency, and to be more independent to determine their life choices. Empowering women has the potential to improve the lives of millions of people, not only women and girls, but also men and boys who are impacted by the women in their lives being empowered. When women are empowered, they are better able to provide for themselves and their families which has a direct impact on the well-being of those in their lives. Women empowerment does not only aim to improve the rights of women, but also other people that have been marginalized because of their gender, such as the members of the LGBTQIA community and persons living with disabilities. Women empowerment also includes efforts to expand girls' and women's access to education and health care, <clears throat> sorry, increase their economic power and reduce their risk of physical and sexual violence. It also includes efforts to reduce gender stereotypes and discrimination, which can limit girls' and women's opportunities and increase their risk of harm and to promote girls and women's leadership and agency. Yeah. We are also continuing to put forward women's economic empowerment because, as government, we understand the we understand and acknowledge the value of including women into various sectors of the economy through mainstreaming. Chairperson, much has been done to promote women's economic empowerment and the mainstream of women into the economy. The the promotion of women's rights and women empowerment is imperative if we are truly to to realize the non-sexist and equal society that we so envision. Government loans the Salat Makake African Women's Economic Justice and Rights Initiative, which aims to give practical effort effect to the country's commitment to the economic and financial inclusion of women. Moreover, the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy also launched the Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Strategy, which is aimed at ensuring that women become active participants in the energy sector in September last year. In a bid to tackle inequality in key sectors of the economy, President Cyril Ramaphosa launched the Women Economic Assembly in October 2021, which put major sectors under the spotlight to evaluate the level of participation of women-owned businesses. The Assembly was launched during a hybrid event attended by businesswomen, government leaders, and officials, private companies, civil society organizations, and other stakeholders. The private sector, civil society, women's organization, business, women, and government have partners to form the WECONA, an initiative <coughs> sorry, Jefferson, to facilitate the participation of women-owned businesses in core areas of the economy. We have made drastic steps to include women into all sectors of the economy, not forgetting the providing support for women in the informal economy, such as the rural and township economy. Government also continues to support women-owned businesses and entrepreneurship, through resolving that 40% of public procurement be reserved for women-owned businesses. We also have progressive strides towards achieving gender equality. <coughs> sorry, the flu. Through South Africa's progressive laws, we are seeing more women serving in high-ranking positions than ever before. The Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan indicated that small, medium and micro enterprises owned by women will play a part in the delivery of infrastructure delivery. Women are being encouraged and supported to form cooperatives in key economic sectors such as retail, agriculture and agro-processing. financial services, and manufacturing, and will be prioritized in access to funding. Noting that we are a country, <coughs> <coughs> noting that we are a country and count by high levels of unemployment, the presidential employment stimulus has benefited 60% of women. We are glad to hear that provinces have also emphasized the creation of jobs and economic opportunities aimed at women and youth. This is in response to the challenges of unemployment and poverty that have been exaggerated by COVID-19 and the lockdown. As government, we will continue to work tirelessly to mitigate these challenges. Although although more still needs to be done in the labour market, since that's revealed that the labour market is more favourable to men than to women. Continuous upskilling of women, women empowerment awareness programmes in the private sector are significant to mitigate the gap. We hope that provinces will continue to prioritise women in their planning. However, we have also made strides in the private sector in the protection of women in workplaces, underdevelopmental developmental and roll the out, roll-out of sexual harassment policies. Understanding that gender-based violence is a cancer rooted in patriarchy, that all members of our society ought to come together and uproot it in all of its manifestations. We have to bring dignity to the vulnerable in our society, such as children, particularly girls and persons with disabilities. Honorable Chairperson, we hope that the provinces will be able to reach out to more schools while conducting their sanitary dignity program. This time, the program should also incorporate issues that are affecting adolescents including boys such as bullying, substance abuse, teenage pregnancy, human trafficking, and programs aid at raising awareness about the dangers of social media and rather focus on how adolescents can use social media positively. The sanitary dignity program should also target schools, catering for children with disabilities, and also conduct outreach programs for children in those schools. When we speak of persons with disabilities, we have to include all persons in the disability spectrum. (coughs) Sorry. Honourable Members, Chapter two of the Bill of Rights in the Constitution of the Republic recognizes the rights and freedoms of all persons in the Republic. This includes the right to human dignity and equality. Persons living with disabilities are no different. They deserve to enjoy the same rights as all citizens in the Republic. They too are are reserved the right to no discrimination. Noting that persons with disabilities often feel excluded from society through mobility and accessibility but it serves all infrastructure and environment that is enabling to their needs. Persons with disabilities are considered to be one of the vulnerable groups, as often some are (coughs) ostracised from their families and communities. It is through this understanding, honourable members, that the ANC is and will consistently Champion and promote the rights of, of persons with disabilities to restore and bring dignity to persons living with disabilities. The African Youth Union Charter Protocol, Human and People's Rights, and the Rights of Persons with Disabilities promotes and recognizes the rights of people living with disabilities, including the rights to equality, security, Free from unfair discrimination, human dignity, accessibility, and social inclusion, to name a few. It is in line with our constitution and our social transformation agenda for building a better life for all and a South Africa that belongs to all in living. That is why the ANC will continue. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry to promote the rights of persons with disability through legislation such as the Disability Act which is underway and continue to assist persons living with disabilities through the provision of the disability grant to assist them with the necessary support or or mobility required to make their lives better. Representation and inclusion of persons living with disabilities is significant to social inclusion. Government, it leads in this. Through the coalition. Yes, you um, conclude Thank you, Chairperson. Um, our transformation agenda is to create a society where everyone feels safe and is able to walk freely. A society that is free of violence and discrimination. We have to fight for a society in which all are able to enjoy the freedoms that this country is to offer. The ANC support budget for 20, and I thank you.
13: Thank you, thank you, Honourable Gillian, for taking part in the debate. Uh, vote 20. We proceed. I shall now call upon Honourable S. Manili City. The Eastern Cape, uh, MEC for Social Development. The podium is yours. Thank you, Honourable MEC.
15: Um, thank you, Honourable Chair. Greetings to, to yourself, the Honourable Members, and all delegates, and all on the various platforms. Honourable Chair, well, firstly, I think we want to start the debate um, by appreciating the agency of the discussion on this budget vote, particularly as we're facing a post global pandemic that has heavily affected the lives of people living with disabilities, women and our youth. As the Department of Social Development, as we lead with the mandate of providing services and programs to victims of crime and violence, including the abuse of persons living with disabilities, we understand abuse as, um, as really about power and control, and people with disabilities face unique challenges and barriers to accessing the support and services, and um, our disability rights, which you know, is strategically positioned to help us achieve this access. Building on the foundations of the National Youth Development Policy 2021, um, as the think government, we are determined to foster relationships, and this calls for the development and inclusion of young people into the mainstream of economy in order to improve their wealth and social well being. During the new financial year, we will optimize the outcomes of the current skills development programs for young people by partnering with other agencies and to ensure that our young people are provided with income opportunities post-training that are accredited. In addition, or as the department to increase the number of youth benefiting from the skills training program, inclusive of 40 young people in our child and youth care centers, who will receive driver license training. And in addition, 17 youth initiatives, which include poultry, pickery crop production and cow wash projects um, will be funded to benefit young people across the province. As part of our practical intervention um, in implementing an amassed range of social behavioral change programs to address risky behavior and the harmful social norms that negatively affect morals and values within families and communities. This program seeks to create a safe and enabling environment in which people can have meaningful engagement about social issues and ills, including HIV and AIDS prevention, teenage pregnancy, and parental behavior. And a total number of 3,000 young people between the ages of 10 and 24 are targeted through this program. Now, in our efforts to uplift these services, during the 22 23 financial year, the department has accelerated efforts towards victim empowerment, gender based violence, and substance abuse, reaching 219 people, 482. The department, in collaboration with other stakeholders, successfully implemented the Drug master plan through substance abuse prevention programs and our social behavioral change program which seeks to reduce those risky behaviors in our young people. Honorable members, our provincial outlook on teenage pregnancy records 17.1% of teenage girls between 10 to 19 years who fall pregnant. In responding to this prevailing challenge, the department will collaborate um, in implementing sexual reproductive health program with the UNFPA, the Department of Health, the Department of Education, and House of Traditional Leaders. The program will be implemented in the Nelson Mandela Metro, Tambo, and alpha District. As these areas have the highest incidences of teenage pregnancy, and we're targeting 30,000 young girls, both in and out of school. Honorable Chairman, we are also aware of the urgent need of strategically placing women at the center of development. Therefore, in relation to contributing towards economic empowerment of women by prioritizing interventions that promote the rights of women to achieve gender equality through the implementation of skills development advocacy and sexual reproductive health and rights program benefiting 7874 women and 21 led initiatives the department is again partnering with UNFPA which provides the technical support to the development of Provincial Women Development Policy, and the Implementation Plan. Now, in advancing women empowerment and economic development, we have provided skills development and supported 13,184 women. Honorable members, as we advance the struggle for women emancipation, we must also face um, head-on the pandemic of gender-based violence. The issue of gender-based violence, whether physical, sexual, incompetence, mimical or emotional, is recognized globally as one of the most widespread and persistent violations Of the rights of women and girls. It is a universal problem. It cuts across geography, class, and culture. It is certainly not unique to South Africa. It is really my considered view that the fight against poverty and injustice will only bear fruit if we invest in addressing the root cause of gender inequality and gender based violence in our families, societies, and nations. And that is the destruction of the patriarchal economy. Honorable members, it is also true. To people living with disabilities, the reality is that it is people who are living with disabilities who experience the highest rates of domestic violence, sexual assault, and abuse. Abuse against a person living with a disability often takes a non traditional form, and persons with hearing disabilities face an additional barrier where seeking help inhibits them from accessing services. This means that we need to build a more integrated and inclusive society. In, in marking the importance of the mainstreaming of services for people living with disabilities across all spheres of our society, the department remains committed to playing a leading role in this regard. The department, through its program, provides integrated services that facilitates the promotion of the well-being and social-economic empowerment of persons with disabilities. This encompasses a range of interventions and services, including protective workshops, capacity building and support. Critical in this program is the implementation of the community-based rehabilitation services and advocacy, utilizing a rights-based approach that contributes positively to enhancing the mainstreaming of persons with disabilities within their communities. This, of course, is not enough, which is why we're calling on our social partners and private sector to work with us in mobilizing resources to promote the rights of people who are differently able. It is also critical to note that disability does not only affect the persons with the disability, but also the family and the immediate community. Hence, we must also create programs that seek to create an enabling environment for the provisioning of appropriate support programs for the families, caregivers as they are, or should be, the primary support system. In many instances, often the immediate families carry the financial, medical, physical, and emotional burden of care. There is, therefore, a great need for support programs which will enhance the quality of life for people who are differently abled and their families throughout the lifespan. The Department of Social Development is committed to working towards the mainstreaming and integration of programs Aimed at creating a better life for persons with disabilities. But we realize that legislation alone, however, will not ensure that persons with disabilities can enjoy their human rights. We therefore applaud initiatives such as the Departmental Disability Month, which serves to create awareness with regards to employees living with disabilities. Honorable Chair, we need to do more on ensuring that the National government fully complies with the legal framework policies, strategic framework, mandates, directive, and prescripts relating to disability management. This means that we need to ensure that disability forum for employees who are differently able are established and functioning so as to ensure proper representation of people living with disabilities in the workplace. More needs to be done to raise awareness to ensure that we change our mindset with regards to persons who are differently able. We should therefore continue to fight the stigma attached to our differently gifted brothers and sisters, which still exist in our communities. As As you,
6: you conclude,
12: MC.
15: Thank you, Jay. We should therefore continue in the forefront in leading and advancing the rights of people living with disabilities. Honorable Chen, as the Eastern Cape, we support the, 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 the budget vote.
13: Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, MEC Man City, a member of the Executive Council of Social Development in Eastern Cape. We proceed. I shall now call upon Honorable Sonia Boschoff from the Democratic Alliance to also take part in the debate.
16: Thank you very much, Chair. All protocol observed. This is one of so many government departments that has dismally failed in all aspects to deliver on its mandate to the broader South African community. It is rather an embarrassment to mention that it even exists. It's all talk and no action. In today's context, this is the department that should be the cornerstone of the fight in the current pandemic facing women, youth and people with disabilities. South Africa's gender-based violence stats are equal to a country at war, and that is no hyperbole. South Africa is ranked as the world's capital of crime against women, with 10,818 rapes taking place in the first three months of this year, and more than 2,695 women murdered every year. In South Africa, one woman is killed every three hours. It is therefore critical to note that there are many layers of gender-based violence and socioeconomic issues, such as teenage pregnancy and economic inequalities, which are linked to GBV. Addressing such cases would entail tackling these issues as well. Women, youth and people with disabilities are faced with these issues on a daily basis and therefore government needs a comprehensive approach that will address them. Regardless of which angle you look at this from, it is imperative that all factors are addressed to fight the scourge of GBV. This department needs to start bringing implementers on the ground and not only in boardrooms, department summits, and imbizos. South Africans need to see more action and less talks. According to a statistics South Africa report, nearly 50% of GBV assaults are committed by someone close. 22% of assaults are committed by a friend or an acquaintance. 15% by a spouse or intimate partner, and 29% are committed by a complete stranger. Honorable Chair, government needs to create and maintain an environment that is safe and conducive for victims, to report incidents of violence and abuse, and the environment must be one of empathy and care, and must be free of judgment. What is concerning is that, as yet, the National Council on GBVF Has not been established. Treasury had allocated 15 million for the establishment of NCGBVF over a three year period, with 5 million being allocated in each financial year starting in 2020. However, there is no movement on the NCGBVF, and this has a massive impact on the implementation of the National Strategic Plan, which is there to combat. GBVF. With these delays, we are seeing women and girls continue to suffer from violence on a daily basis. Honorable Minister, it is your department's responsibility to ensure that the National Strategic Plan is implemented, monitored and budgeted for. So, why has nothing transpired? Honorable Minister, we need action that will empower women and youth These are the real issues that can unlock the scourge of inequality and give women the weapon against GBVF. We need programs that will equip them with skills to match the male-dominated world. Young women are succumbing to the pressures of falling pregnant to gain access to child support grant as a means to an end to support their needs as women. Women need real freedom to be able to fight the scourge of these inequalities. Youth unemployment has a negative effect on the individual and the family, but also on the broader community in the form of serious economic and social consequences. This includes economic welfare, production, erosion of human capital, social exclusion, and crime and social instability. Substance abuse has become the haven for young people, And there is a need to address this with a remedial method before it affects their ability to be competent in the employment sector. It is estimated that the unemployment rate of persons with disabilities in South Africa is in excess of more than 90% and approaching 100% in rural areas. This is totally unacceptable. Disability is more prevalent among females in comparison with males this puts an immeasurable burden on women in our society woman empowerment is crucial and requires very very urgent attention this department could be a champion department if they were only able to uh, to deliver addressing women issues on a broader scale this department to my knowledge is completely out of touch With the realities on the ground and had it not been for civil society organizations, we would be faced with more dilemmas than what we are currently facing. This department really needs to forge working relations with other government departments so as to provide a holistic approach to the challenges being faced by women, youth and people with disabilities. The Department of Safety and Security needs to be proactive in dealing with cases of GBVF. We need safe houses for victims of violence. We need access to the Department of Social Services so that women do not have to turn to selling their bodies to make ends meet. Women are dealing with more than they can handle and are in dire need of comprehensive support from all spheres of Society, but more especially from this department. The Department of Arts and Culture also needs to come on board to help with structural interventions to mould young people and to keep them focused and occupied. There is a huge need for accountability, proper monitoring and evaluation processes from all the key role players entrusted by government to deliver. The National Youth Development Agency has to play a visible and meaningful role to fulfill its mandate on empowering youth and fight youth unemployment. In doing so, it will assist and seeing a decline in crime-related incidences as more young people will be able to enter the labor market. We note with concern the vacancies in the NYDA for regional manager positions in the Eastern Cape, Northern Cape, and the Western Cape. These positions are critical in a country that is hugely confronted by youth unemployment. And Minister, we urge you to address this matter as quickly as possible. There is no time to rest. In conclusion, Minister, this department needs to be more on the ground and less in the media. This will go a long way in contributing towards the improvement of the lives of women, youth, and people with disabilities. Honorable Minister, we can no longer continue to live in a country where women youth and people with disabilities are rendered less human and subjected to continued abuse, killings and inequalities. This war has to end and it must end now. The ball, minister, is in your court. Show this country that you care. It will be to the benefit of all. I thank you.
13: Thank you, thank you for taking part uh, in the debate on vote 20, uh, women, youth, children, and people with disabilities. We now proceed to call upon to the podium Honourable Ndongeni from the African National Congress. The floor is yours. Thank you,
17: Chair. Honourable Chairperson, Honourable Deputy Chairperson of NCOP, Honourable Minister, Honourable Chief Whip, Honourable Members, Special Delegate, Members of the Society. Good afternoon. Young people in our country have become to one of the most vulnerable in our society. We have to acknowledge the vast devastation that was worsened by the COVID-19 pandemic which were not exclusive to South South Africa alone. COVID-19 devastated economies the world over and the number of people lost their sources of income due to implementation of lockdown. Young people in South Africa face face numerous challenges, the biggest being unemployed, poverty, crime, and equality education opportunities. And mental health matters. However, we realize that most of these challenges that young people face stem from the high level of unemployment. It is the easier for youth to be drawn to toxic society ills when there are limited opportunity available for them. However, as government, we believe in taking care of the vulnerable in society and mitigating the challenges that the young people face. We acknowledge that the cause of unemployment in South Africa can be attributed to lack of education and training, labor demand and skills, skills mismatch, lack of interest for entrepreneurship. Ours as government is to turn this around. We have to ensure that young people, in particular, have to possess the necessary skills that are required in the labor market. We have to drive innovation and support with programs that are aimed at increasing an interest to entrepreneurship. If we are to attain our goals to the NDP of realizing a 6% of unemployment rate and 11 million additional jobs by 2030, we have to address the main drivers of unemployment in our country and develop our economy. Statistics indicate that youth graduate levels of unemployment are less compared to youth that do not fall into this category. That thus leaves us with the responsibility to drive the skills revolution and encourage young people to seek education, skills, and knowledge required by the labor sector. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, The fourth industrial revolution is before us, and technology is transforming organizations. In-demand skills are changing rapidly. If we are to mitigate the challenges of unemployment, we also have to transform skills to be aligned to those that are in demand in the labor market. Furthermore, in mitigating the high level of unemployment amongst youth, as the ANC, we are cognizant that we have to advise the socio-economic empowerment of young people. The honors that rests upon the Department of Women, Youth, and Persons with Disabilities to review the National Youth Policy and Legislation, such as the National Youth Development Agents Amendment Bill, and therefore report on the recommendations. The significance of the bill is that it will prioritize interventions that support skills development and foster employment. This includes the provision of support for young entrepreneurs, learnership programs, and the implementation of youth programs. As the ANC, we are pleased to note that over the medium-term period, the NYTA will focus on providing interventions to support the creation of decent employment and the development of skills and encourage entrepreneurship. For all young people, this intervention will take the form of financial and non-financial support to enable young people to access skills and jobs, establish and sustain enterprises, and gain access to markets. Financial support is provided through grants to townships and rural enterprises run by young people whereas non-financial support includes accounting, website development, business plan writing, and marketing. Now withstanding with Presidential Employment Scheme that continues to benefit young people, which has created over 850,000 opportunities for young people. Young people also need to be more absorbed into the public service. The employment stimulus will also enable the Department of Home Affairs to recruit 10,000 unemployment young people to the digitization of paper reports, enhancing their skills and contributing to the modernization of citizen services. We hope that more departments absorb young people into the public services, and not only in the form of internship, but also in the form of permanent employment resulting in sustainable futures. Noting that the public service has high level vacate posts. We hope that those posts will be made available for young people too. We are adamant that this year there will be even more youth and women that benefit from this initiative to limit the scourge of unemployment and poverty. We remain confident that the Social Employment Fund will create a further 50,000 work opportunities using the capability of organization beyond government in areas such as urban agriculture, early childhood development, public art tackling gender-based violence. The most important aspect of this vote, that is, it is will uplift the lives and livelihoods of the many youth and women at large. A budget should always be responsive to the social economic challenges, that the country faces. Young people are not lazy. Young people need to be granted the necessary necessary platform and opportunities, opportunities for them to thrive. As the ANC, we are well aware of the frustration of young people. We are well aware of frustration caused by the pandemic. Further efforts to create employment opportunities for young people have been made government through the is a youth dot platform for young
0: work. Uh, sorry chair sorry chair about that then i'm it difficult, and i'm sorry i'm sorry chair
17: young people are not lazy young people need to grant that the necessary platform and opportunity for them to, to, to try to thrive as the anc we are aware of the frustration of young people. And we are aware, well aware of the frustration caused by pandemic. There are efforts to create employment opportunities. Young people have been made by government through the sa-youth.mobi platform for young work seekers to access opportunities and support now that, and support now has more than 2.3 million young South Africans registered. Of the over six hundred thousand, have been placed into employment opportunities. The Department of Higher Education and Training also placed ten thousand unemployment TVET TV, TV, TV graduates in workplaces from April 2022. Noting that in this State of the Nation address, President alluded that the private sector is responsible for job creation. We hope that it creates job opportunities for, you, for young people and absorb a higher number of them. Honorable members, Honorable chairperson, earlier I made a reference to social ills affecting young people that can be attributed to the frustration of unemployment
0: statistics revealed that more and more young people are experimenting with narcotics. And many more become victims of sustainable
17: abuse. This is an issue that needs to be critically looked into amongst youth, young people, and use of drugs, and nicotine can be detrimental to the future of young people. Children as young as 12 are reported to be experiencing with drugs. We therefore age. The department is partnership with various stakeholders to drive a campaign against the use of drugs in schools and tertiary institutions. Drugs dependence has especially hit the youth heart with the average age, now at 12 and young and decreasing. South Africa is among the top 10 when looking at the narcotics and alcohol abusers worldwide. A study conducted states that between 7.5% and 31.5% of South Africans already have a drinking problem or at risk of developing one. Often driven frustration and social challenges, children and youth tend into substance abuse to, to sort comfort. Therefore, avenues and platforms that deal with bullying, depression and mental health matters should be easily made available to young people. And all members of society to fight now becoming culture of coming suicide, we hope that the department will take forward this please this please working with the relevant stakeholders, including the NYDA substance abuse does not only affect the victims about it also can be detrimental affected to those that are close to the drug abusers It describes the relations and all Alcohol abuse alone is one of the causes of gender-based violence and can even lead to sexual violence. It is up to provinces to also see that they have the necessary facilities, such as rehab facilities, to ensure that victims of drug abuse can also access these facilities. There is is a need to have positive role models in our society. We need role models that do not make alcohol and that's fashionable. We need role models that that models the kind of society that we that we so envision. We need to role models that do not depict a life of crime as one of luxury. honourable members and honourable honourable chair. Young people are the future of our country, and it is up to us to safeguard their futures. The African National Congress support budget budget vote 20. I thank you, Chair. Thank you,
13: Honourable Ndongeni from the African National Congress for taking part in the debate on women, youth, children, and people with disabilities. We are proceeding. We will now invite Honourable Mashiku from the Mpumalanga legislature. serving in the portfolio mm-hmm. committee on human, youth, children and people with disabilities and public participation.
18: Over to you, Honorable mm-hmm. Chief. Honorable chair, members of the NCOP, <laughs> the minister and the MS is present. It is indeed a great honor for me to be accorded an opportunity to be part of this debate. This policy debate is extremely important due to the fact that it seeks to ensure that we advance most of the international and regional treaties we acceded to and some ratified. The Convention on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women of 1979, Millennium Development Goals of 2000, Beijing Declaration and Platform of Action 4, Action 4 World Conference 1995, African Charter on Human and People's Rights 1995, and the Seoul Declaration on Gender Equality in Africa 2004. Honorable Chair, we have domesticated this commitment by ensuring that an institutional and legislative mechanism to deal with inequalities that exist between men and women, South Africa ratified the 2008 South African Development Community Protocol on Gender and Development, which requires a 50-50 representation on women in political leadership by 2015. As the governing party, we voluntarily adopted the quota system and the evidence before us best testimony that more women have assumed political leadership roles within the African National Congress. Political participation is a fundamental right for every woman. This is further attested to by Article 25 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, ratified by over 21 countries, which provides that every citizen shall have the right and opportunity, without any form of discrimination, to take part in the conduct of public affairs directly or through freely chosen representatives to vote and to be elected at genuine periodic elections. Honorable Chair, South Africa's 1996 constitution section nine provides, provides that discrimination on the grounds of gender is unacceptable unless deemed to be fair discrimination by according to the previously disadvantaged. In this case, women equal opportunities as men. We must critically assess whether or not South Africa's constitution on equality, according to women, equal opportunities to participate in politics have been and continue to be implemented within political parties. Another critical factor is whether or not the environment within political parties is conducive enough for women to participate and whether or not such participation is based on malicious compliance within political parties. Honorable Chair, whilst the advancement of women within political realm is appreciated, we are still confronted with a plethora of challenges to deal with. We have recently witnessed the brutal killing of women and children. The recent incident that happened in Mpumalang are quite shocking. The brutal murder of Hilary Gardier and the young girl Buntemashian is worrisome. We appreciate the swift move by our law enforcement to put these heartless killers behind bars. The issue of power dynamics, which is predicated on dominance, still prevails in our communities. Men have for centuries been an enemy of women and children. Abuse and abuse and marginalization at the hands of men is and has been commonplace through any society you choose to observe. And in, in a contemporary world, they continue to wage war against the very people who become the backbones of families, companies, and society at large. Men tend to commit violence against women as a means to exert dominance and control and that this was exacerbated by social orders relegating domestic violence to a private problem of FMA. We must continue with our public education initiatives, campaigns, and capitalizing on media platforms to convey the message that violence against women and children cannot be tolerated. Honorable Chair, The message must be clear that government declares war against women and children. On the economic landscape, we have put in place mechanisms to ensure that women assume previously male-dominated occupations and government has a number of programs dedicated to women, such as women in construction. We have witnessed a number of women venturing into agriculture, and the support provided by government is quite remarkable. One of the programs which continues to yield positive results is the fourteen hundred and forty young farmer incubation programme honourable Chair members a plethora of research finds that the economic realities of women in south africa are such that they are not paid at the right level for the work they do exposing them to a form of economic dependence to their male counterparts. the, the first emergence measure therefore that the government ought to table is a legislation which address gender pay disparity by two thousand and twenty five we as a country have been brilliant at using other countries as case studies for policy making. Now could it not be a better time to look at the likes of Ireland, which became the first country globally to outlaw the existence of gender pay gaps. Honorable Chair, South Africa is party to international laws and agreements such as the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability of 2006 which South Africa ratified in 2007, which means that the country accepts all the legal obligations that are imposed by this instrument. The CRPD seeks to promote, protect, and ensure the full and equal enjoyment of all human rights by persons with disabilities. Honorable Chair, the CRPD defines persons with disabilities to include those who have long-term physical, mental, intellectual, or sensory impairments which in interaction with various barriers may hinder their full and effective participation in society on an equal basis. This is a clear recognition that persons with disabilities are equal and variable members of society and should be recognized in all aspects of life. What is key is whether we are doing enough to promote, protect and ensure equal enjoyment of all human rights by persons with disabilities. We must continue to monitor and oversight government commitments on the 2% threshold in employing persons with disabilities. It is also important for government to account for the positions or level of employment for persons with disabilities and whether their needs are catered for, such as braille and ramps for all buildings. We must also find a way on legislating that all constructed buildings are compliant to ensure that persons with disabilities enjoy full equal rights. It is also equally important to ensure that persons with disabilities venture into businesses and that they receive the necessary support. Our interest as Parliament must be held. I therefore would like to encourage all, in particular, young people to take advantage of the programs available to uplift your standard of living. No country in the entire world can succeed in the realization of socio-economic advancement without placing education on top of the development agenda. In conclusion, Chair, uh, I want to quote uh, Uta Ata Nelson Mandela, open quote, to deny people their human rights is to challenge their very humanity, close quote. Mpumalanga supports the budget votes relevant.
13: Uh, thank you thank you malanga la 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 la
19: the year 5 rejects budget vote 20 on women, youth, and persons with disabilities. Musalipuso, puso, bokolo for le fa pala le So Dilevahani Sibu chela duheta. Se udile bakhani la puso la puso kolo ntali. Busto kuchaja bastaadi ba le bakhani le dipola di tiko This department has also failed to respond to the challenges faced by people living with disabilities across all provinces in South Africa. And despite promises of inclusion of of persons with disabilities as priority group, persons living with disabilities continue to experience a number of challenges such as people with disabilities make up 50% of the total population and it's it's estimated that 8 in 10 people living with disabilities are unemployed. The lack of equipment and machinery for support in different institutions is appealing. Challenges faced by women, children, youth and disabilities vary from discrimination, lack of support centres, education facilities and many more. The situation is worse for poor black persons living with disabilities in rural areas of the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal. As they often have content with issues regarding access to health care, as they face more barriers. This despite the right of access to health care services being guaranteed by Section 27 of the Constitution. But to Bama Hood, But you who's social development. Both Eleba and Liver Sadi, ba to so come easy, The South Africa. South Africa. Bontse jwa dikolomona ngeng ga di amogele bana ba tsilanka bogolo. Di ka gwatse tsona ga di gore motse wa tsilanka bogolo a kgone a itsa mase. Bontse jwa ba gutana ga ba gopelwelwa ka ka ga di tlokegotsa ba tswa Sílanka tsilanka bogolo. Se se di ga go re go ka go ne tsena go ka bana bogolo go dikolo tseditsenwang ja ka bana the story of disability in South Africa remains one social operation. This department has done nothing for women living in rural impoverishments areas. Basari basante basutla kakiwa ibile babona ba utrang ibele bana ba utrang manuku noko atutle khwaliya bethukut bethukutsebe kibana kibana baba sabuning tika 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 this department has done nothing to ensure that women feel safe in this country and that those who are victims are provided with shelter and protection. This department has failed the women of this country. It has failed young people and it has failed the differently disabled. The must that is the National Youth Development Agency is proof of the continuing neglect. Your department has failed young people in this country. Today, almost 6% of the population is unemployed. A great number of unemployed are women and young people, with 74% of the youth of working age unemployed in this country. The minister has done absolutely nothing to, to promote initiative of you of young people in their fight against unemployment. This budget is ignorant of the great agency needed to deal with the problems of young people and young women in particular. We reject this. Budget vote. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Lehi, for taking part in this debate
13: on youth women and disabilities. For uh, 20. We now call upon Honorable Hadebe from the Qatar Freedom Party to take part in the debate. Honorable Hadebe.
9: Honourable Jefferson, thank you, Honourable Minister, Honourable Members. The Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities proudly stresses in its latest annual performance plan that it has developed three key pieces of legislation. These are the National Council on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide Bill, the National Youth Development Agency Amendment Bill, and the promotion of women's rights, empowerment, and gender equality bill. However, the Department fails to acknowledge its long delay in introducing these bills. In fact, the National Council on of Gender-Based Violence and Femicide bill, providing for the establishment of the important multisectoral National Council on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide, was only published in October 2021 by the Department. This After years and years of protest and countless promises by the government that it is serious about eliminating gender-based violence and femicide, one of the first steps promised by government was the establishment of this council. Yet years later, we still face empty promises. Policy development and drafting of legislation mean very little. If there is no real ambition to finalize such statutory measures, And above all, if there is no real enforcement of these tools once adopted. The IFP also notes that the the Department's annual performance plan fails to provide any targets relating to these critical bills. How is the committee to monitor any progress or oversight over the finalization of these bills? It is a critical failure hindering proper oversight by Parliament. The IFP furthermore notes on consideration of the department's annual performance plan that there seems to be no uniformity with the rollout of the sanitary dignity policy framework. This framework provides vital norms and standards for the provision of sanitary products to vulnerable girls and young women, especially in rural areas. The monitoring of this framework should be a high priority for the department. However, once again, we see legal enforcement or proper oversight. The sanitary dignity of vulnerable girls and young women cannot be compromised by the failure of government to ensure effective oversight. In conclusion, the IFP wishes to emphasize its concern with the use of consultants by the department. It is highly concerning that 2.3 million is budgeted for the use of consultants to effectively do the work of the department. There there must be an effective transfer transfer of skills from these consultants to department officials, as we cannot allow this expense in our current dire economic climate. The IFP, nevertheless, accepts the budget vote. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank thank
13: you, Honourable Ademir, for taking part uh, in the debate on behalf of the Nkata Federal Party. We are moving forward. We now invite Honourable Christians from the Democratic Alliance to also take part in the debate on vote 20. Over to you, Honourable
20: Christian. Thank you very much, Honourable Chairperson, Honourable Members and Honourable Minister. Last Friday, the South African Police Service released its first quarter crime statistics for 2022. And appallingly, it stated that 900 women were murdered in the first three months of this year. It seems that as a society, we have become hopeless, disheartened and desensitized to reports of women and children being murdered and abused. As no one bats an eyelid when reading yet another report stating, and I quote from various media platforms, man in CCTV footage captured on day of Megan Creamer murder could be the accused. Teen arrested for allegedly stabbing 85-year-old neighbor to death. In honor, in honor of Hilary gardy a mother failed by a democratic society. Three life sentences for serial rapists who tried to stab victim in head with scissors. Still no closure for Korabo Mukweni's family five years after her brutal murder. KwaZulu-Natal girl six dead while sister eight found naked with bruises after they went missing in March. Man allegedly stabs ex-girlfriend, kills her police reservist boyfriend. Uh, Untutuko Shobe, guilty of killing pregnant Chekhofatse Pule. I could see this thing coming, principal says he told teacher to get a gun before she was killed. Tembisa man charged with beating, raping partner while holding her hostage for six months. Neighbors say cop who killed ex always parked outside her house drunk. And so hardly a day passes in South Africa without yet another case of brutality against women is highlighted in the media. We are losing the battle against gender-based violence. Last Sunday, Barney Ntomboti wrote an article in the Sunday Times. He wrote that he fears for the women in his life because he fears gender-based violence, femicide, and disrespect of women. He expressed a fear that is the daily lives of all women in South Africa the fear of what we have become as a society. He is right, of course. Society has failed hundreds of young women who have been murdered. People in townships and villages across South Africa are murdered day in and day out in their numbers by gangsters, criminals, husbands, partners, and thugs. Women and children live in fear for their lives. Their rights are violated every day. And we must question whether the constitution is any protection for us at all. The department has regrettably not been able to respond decisively to the plague that is gender-based violence, nor have they responded to the huge youth unemployment rate and much less the plight of the disabled in this country. 2.3 million Rand will be spent on the use of consultants to do work like writing reports and collecting data. This begs the question, what are the current staff in this department doing? Additionally, 19 staff members are being paid more than 1.2 million rand per annum, yet the department is failing in its core mandate. The department's inability to work strategically with the Department of Social Development and the South African Police Service is of further concern, as the one department does not have a clue how to respond to the challenges faced in the other. Furthermore, of grave concern is the emergency response plan on gender-based violence that has now been scraped notably as the worst performing program and not reaching their targets for the previous financial year. Delays in reaching targets and continuous changes in the organizational structure has had a huge impact on the department as we have seen bills being delayed and the National Council on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide still not being established even though 15 million Rand has been allocated to this over three years. The sanitary dignity of our young girls remain in jeopardy as this department fails to provide any accurate information with regards to the rollout of this program. According to statistics, at least three out of every 10 girls miss up to seven days of school per month due to their period. During a select committee meeting, we raised the question of how many schools were beneficiaries of this program, and to date, we have had no response from the department, a clear indication that they are failing our young women. In a recent study, it has been found that there was a decline in the quality of police investigations of femicide cases, with many dockets missing information or perpetrators remaining unidentified. The report stated that there is a regular lack of quality of police investigations when dealing with cases of gender-based violence and femicide, The country does not need another bloated department with highly paid officials, but rather a need for properly trained police officers when dealing with gender-based violence and femicide to ensure they are able to write proper statements and do thorough investigations. The criminal justice system must provide adequate feedback on the progress of cases. Perpetrators must be arrested without delay and investigations dealt with professionally, or these perpetrators continue with their thuggery unchecked. The Ministry and the Department's main priority is to ensure that the socioeconomic empowerment and rights of women, youth, and persons with disabilities are given priority in all areas of society. This Department is failing dismally, because women are continuously subjected to gruesome killings and horrendous gender-based violence. Offenders frequently walk away unpunished, and youths and people with disabilities are largely not catered for in the job market. We have reached a crisis point, and the indifference of this department, in conjunction with the absence of a multi-sectoral plan, has left the vulnerable at the mercy of criminals. I thank you.
13: Thank you, Honourable Christian, for taking part in the debate, the debate on uh, vote 20. We will now uh, proceed to invite Honorable Ntsube from the African National Congress to also take part in the debate. Over to you, Honorable Ntsube.
21: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, chairperson uh, uh, the Honorable Minister, the chief of the Council the MEC present here today. It has become a dreadful tradition that annually we have to pay condolences to the families that have lost their loved ones to the obliterating pandemic of gender-based violence and femicide. This is a pandemic that we as a country continue to grapple with without success. The fight against gender-based violence requires every fabric of society to confront toxic behaviours and traditions. The role to overcome gender-based violence and femicide on all members can can never rest on government alone. It requires us, our families, our group of friends, communities, and a broader society. We have to strengthen community structures in collaboration with SAPS, Community Policing Forum, to alert police of perpetrators of <coughs> violence against women and children. We convey our condolences to the guardian and to our families along with the countless number of women and children brutally killed that have not reached a mainstream media. We are reminded again as a country that the second pandemic of GBV has not, has not dissipated. It begs the question of why does such vicious pattern continue to persist in our country? Why are women continuously being obliter- obliterated in our country? We also have to acknowledge that gender based violence and femicide affects particularly those that are vulnerable in our society women, children, and persons belonging to the LGBTQI community. COVID 19 has had a devastating impact on every sphere of life across the globe. However, women and girls have been particularly impacted by this pandemic. Women have largely ha, have largely borne the brand of, of the pandemic and it has been exacerbated by already existing challenges such as inequality, unemployment, gender-based violence, and women's economic empowerment. It was devastating to see the number of reported cases of gender-based violence during the lockdown, which was blatant reminder of the struggle that, w- that many women continue to face daily. It was shocking to see that women and girls were not safe in the comfort of their homes and had to resort to the centers to seek a place of safety. Naraul Chaperson, as the ANC acknowledged that gender-based violence has reached, it has reached crisis proportions in our country and it affects every, commun- every community in the country and touches the lives of the most, of the most families in one way or the other. We note and understand that this manifestation are deeply rooted in the political system that embedded in the systems and traditions of our country. Honourable members, if we are truly, if we are to truly eradicate gender-based violence, we if we are to literally eradicate gender-based violence in our society, we have to dismantle the patriarchal system that enabled this system to persist. We have to understand that patriarchal oppression was embedded in economic, social, religious, cultural, family, and other relations in all communities. And we have to ensure that all manifestation of patriarchy, such as feminization of poverty, Physical and psychological abuse, exclusion from positions of power, all need to be consciously eliminated if we are to win the fight against gender-based violence and femicide through the elimination of manifestation of patriarchy. Recognizing that a critical aspect is the creation of material and is the creation of material and cultural conditions that would allow the, the abilities of women to prosper for women to reach their full potential. It is through understanding and taking into account all of this manifestation of patriarchy that the ANC aims to dismantle the system of patriarchy. That is why we will continue to harness the economic opportunities for women and historical disadvantaged persons as persons with disability and young people. A developmental state is known to have interventions that improve the lives of its population. Ours is to reverse the system that breeds many of challenges, such as poverty, inequality, gender-based violence, and femicide, acknowledging that that the causes of gender-based violence are due to a toxic and cultural and religious norms that promote toxic masculinity. As a counter-honorable chairperson, Perhaps we should reassess certain cultural practices and traditions and evaluate their significance in our current time. This emanates from the understanding that cultures, traditions, and customs are supposed to keep a people be progressive by moving with times. We have to perhaps assess that these traditions and customs and evaluate whether they are assisting in solving our societal problems or whether they are wasting the conditions that we found ourselves in at the present moment. Honourable members, gender-based violence begins in home. It stems from societal patriarchal attitudes and how society views women. We need to change our mindset and the way we think, the manner in which we teach our boy children to be women. We have to ensure that in schools from the foundation phase, we have an intense program that mold the minds of children to think and see things in a gender neutral and progressive manner. We have to teach them about the dangers of psychological and physical abuse. Society is made up of families and there is a need to strengthen the family unit. we have to ensure that what is taught in school is re-emphasized in school and society. And that and that and and this can be done through awareness campaigns aimed at communities and families. Government alone cannot fight gender-based, gender-based violence. It requires the participation of every fiber in society and begins with each and every one of us. Honorable Rabule in building a non-sexist and non-violent society, we have to call each other men and women alike on our toxic and on our toxic behavior towards each other we need to confront toxic behaviors within our own spaces and we need not to make abusers comfortable we have to be positive role model that our children can look up to so that we can prevent minors assaulting each other. We have to create a culture of activism in our society and everyone needs to be part of it. We have to reinstall basic fundamental principles of protecting the most vulnerable in society. We, ha- we have received numerous cases of children being abducted, mutilated and killed. It is inusitating to imagine that a country like ours with a progressive constitution would treat children as men. Honorable members, our constitution enshrines a rights-based approach and it prosperous, non-sexist and non-violent democracy belonging to all. As the ANC are adamant in building a non-sexist and non-violent society where women and children feel safe and are free to walk the street without any harm. As a society, Continuously, a society that continuously improve the lives of women, where discrimination and patriarchal attitudes against women will be addressed. However, we we know that responding and combating gender based gender based violence requires a multi sectoral approach, which led to implementation of the national strategic plan on gender based violence and femicide. Honourable members, we should always be in support on. Of own mechanism that aim to address matters of gender-based violence. We have to ensure that all provincial departments incorporate the NSP in their planning and conduct program, partnering with civil organizations, further drive the implementation of the plan. Provinces should also develop their own gender-based violence programs and campaigns, particularly working with local governments so that programs can actively reach members of our community. Through legislation reform, we have have called for a stricter bail for conditions and harsher sentences for perpetrators of violence and sexual violence against women and children. As the ANC, we have taken a stance against gender-based violence seriously through the formation of the caucus gender-based violence and femicide task team. As the NC government will continue to we'll continue the advancement of gender equality through inclusive economic growth and economic growth and women empowerment. We welcome the National Council and Femicide Bill. However, we hope that this process of fast tracking the establishment of the council will be put up to a speed. We also welcome the first, the fact that government is fast tracking the implementation of the three gender based violence bills honorable chairperson gender based violence has no place in our society we all have to play our, our our role in fighting it because somewhere somehow each and every one of us might know a person that is abused another matter, honorable chairperson that we need to be a uh, crucial of a uh, is is with regard to gender-based violence against men perpetrated by women. We need need not to be biased when we're addressing the gender-based violence as a concept. The culture of humiliating a man when reporting a case of abuse has to be rejected and cancelled. Honorable members, cases of gender-based violence have to be treated equally, and when women are perpetrators of abuse, they have to receive the same about of a punishment. Our society must must be zero tolerant when it comes to all cases of abuse. One of our members the ANC supports this budget vote 20. I thank you very much, Apostle.
4: well done,
13: my leader from Free State, Honorable Mzube. Well done. Thank you, Honorable Nzube, uh, for taking part in the debate uh, on uh, women with and persons with disability, which is vote 20. Honourable uh, members, uh, because of uh, the uh, commitment by the uh, Minister, Honourable uh, uh, was the last speaker for the day, and that indeed uh, concludes the debate. I wish to take this opportunity to uh, thank the Minister. Uh, the MECs and all special and permanent delegates for availing themselves for for the debate and honorable uh, delegates indeed this concludes the business of the day the house is adjourned thank you honorable members you, Mr. Ben, and Ro, young lion
0: that That's was recording